everybody welcome back to the archers podcast a gayler original podcast <laughs> i don't know my name is madison i'm one half of your co-hosts and we're so happy to be here katie mm, yes we're so happy to be here and i loved that new tagline you threw I don't out know madison what that was see i was trying to be <laughs> I was trying to be brave and start the episode and try nervous. <laughs> oh, Madison. It's ridiculous how there's literally no one here except for me and you every time we record. But the second we click record, I'm convinced that there's like an audience. I mean, there I is. but Right. But, but after the fact, like we don't have to witness them right now responding. Yeah, no. But it's so true, Madison. What is The Archers if not a Gaylor original? Yeah. <laughs> I just really like the idea of <laughs> being like The Archers, a Gaylor original broadcast coming to you from the studios live in Ooh. in Vermont and New York City. Oh my god. Oh my god, I love that. Vermont Public Radio and WNYC joined together to have the archers thank you a to our original yes bitch oh my god shout out to any sponsors that ever if want to anyone us. does anyone want to sponsor us <laughs> <laughs> while we're on the topic while we're on the topic okay so uh, yes i'm i'm the other half of your co-host hello my name is katie how are you doing today madison I'm great. I'm really, I'm really chaotic. If it's not obvious enough, I'm really <laughs> scatterbrained today. There's a lot going on, but um, I'm excited I'm to it. talk about these songs. Like I forgot that we didn't talk about these in the last episode. Um, yes. And when I realized we would have this chance now, mm-hmm. and after it's marinated for a little bit longer too, it's like yes. And I almost do feel as though this these bonus tracks needed more time to marinate. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. If we would have talked about these last week, or I mean last episode, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had a, a thought. It literally was just no, like you could hear a, a hairpin drop. Thought. Like That's silence. Right. Silence. Radio silence. <laughs> For those of you that aren't watching over on Patreon right now, I do want to point out that Madison and I are dressed very iconically today. Madison has their hair lavender and blonde, matching their incredible lavender and blonde striped shirt. Incredible, like truly incredible. And I, of course, am wearing flannel. Ever is, more flannel. You know, Ever more flannel, exactly. So, well, not quite. I. It's more like I would say this is probably more like plaid shirt, days and nights mm. than it is ever more flannel. Exactly. It's also very long pond flannel. Oh, so true. It is long pond flannel. Um, yeah. So very dressed for the occasion. I would say we both are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. How have you been feeling as of lately? Just like the past couple of weeks with the album out now? Well, that's a good question. Um, I definitely think that the chaos of Midnight's coming out did send, and then also all the staying up late, did (laughs) really have an effect on me. Because as soon as you left Vermont, I was so sick. Like, I was Mm -hmm. so, 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 so sick. And... um. 
it did take me about a week to recover and I am now kind of like just getting back into it. But through all of that time, I was still listening to Midnight's over and over and over and over again. And it's just, I think, gotten better. Like, it's still so exciting to listen to it. Especially Mm -hmm. in the car. It feels like whenever a song comes on after another one in the car, it feels like I'm, like, cheating or, like, somehow listening to something that I shouldn't be like it's still that thrill every single time yeah it's not like how like when you listen to like the reputation cd you know exactly what's coming next exactly Mm -hmm. yes I know it like the back of my hand oh (laughs) (laughs) is that a lyric (laughs) did I did I miss something there was there I don't know I think that's a f- just a phrase. Like, like you know something like head. the back of your hand. Yeah. Like oh, you're very familiar with it. Sorry, I'm autistic. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really um, bad lately. <laughs> it's been really bad lately. Yeah, the, the tism has been tizzing me. Sure. <laughs> uh, um... But yeah, so how have you been in the last two weeks of Midnight's existing? I feel has it really grown good. on you? It's yeah. grown on me. I will say uh-huh. it's um I've I've come to a stage of acceptance that it's definitely not in like my top three Taylor Swift albums by any means. But um yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That could change with time mm-hmm. because yeah. I also said I hated Paris like three days ago and now I can't get it out of my head. So um wow. Like, wow. my mind very well could change, but for now, it's just – I'm letting it marinate. It's not really mm. um, my favorite album of hers, but it's absolutely the album that I need from her right now, you know? Wow. I really love your ability to hold those truths at the same time because yeah. I definitely would include this in my top three favorite albums. I feel like the lesbian, the word on the street of lesbians right now is that the Holy Trio is Evermore, Reputation, and Midnights. Yes. And I would say that my favorite Taylor albums are Reputation, Folklore, and Midnights. What would you say your favorite three albums are, knowing that this isn't in your top three? Speak Now. Oh, yeah. Um, 1989 and Evermore uh-huh. are still my I love that. children. Obviously, and- I love all of them so fucking much. Like, yeah, of but- course. Of course, of course. Genuinely yeah. thinking about, like, if I had to pick three albums of hers that I could only listen to forever it would be those. well i think it's important always to remember that you are an og swifty you yeah. have a childhood connection to these songs and albums that cannot be overstated no like speak now is my everything it's also just a great fucking album yes it's like exactly. so underrated um it really is every single song she wrote by herself like that's fucking amazing and it's just great. Like the music is great. She needs to like yeah. do another rock moment. Like she really I know, eats. It's so pop punk. 
And you must be over the moon considering all the Easter eggs that were in Bejeweled for not only lesbianism and being gay, (coughs) but also for Speak Now. Yes, I really am. I cannot fucking wait. And speaking of, I can't wait for the Eras tour where she's going to be performing songs from Speak Now and like these albums that we haven't heard re-recordings for necessarily, but like we'll get to hear live versions. Like that's so exciting because you know word on the street is like she bought her masters back maybe and she's not going to do the re-recordings anymore blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. which i'm not 100 percent sure if that's true i think she still Mm -hmm. will um me too but even if the slight chance that she doesn't re-record them the fact that we get to hear live versions at the tour is a little treat i agree i really Um, agree but yeah speaking of i am very very excited about tour as well i know i know it's been a whirlwind ever since the announcement it really um i had like a like the cycles of grief with the announcement because i was like i'm too poor for this i hate her for announcing this and then yeah and then i was like bitter and i was like i'm not even gonna be able to go anyway so there's no point in being excited and then i saw a tweet from variety saying that the tickets are expected to be 50 to 200 dollars and i'm like okay this is slightly more doable than what yeah. I had ever expected, like in my wildest dreams. So, mm. a I little bit more. Agree. Yeah. I I feel like the the pricing is so much better than I imagined, and the fact that um, the last time that she did a tour was the Reputation tour, and that was the first time that she used the like Ticketmaster verified fan program. And it literally like eliminated, I think like 90% of like bots just using this verified fan thing. Wow. So like, I'm very excited that she's doing that again, that tickets are affordable. Um, My only concerns about the tour, I would say are just kind of like, the anxiety inducing stuff of going like of concerts for me because I am Mm -hmm. not someone that is like in my safe space in a concert like Mm -hmm. so many people especially so many queer people I know like concerts are like their church and like you know surrounded by people in a crowd listening to music that we care about so deeply really is like a crucial physical experience and I know that's been like one of the hardest things about the pandemic for people Mm -hmm. is that like this genuine spiritual connection that people feel during live music was taken away from them Mm -hmm. um but I personally I'm just someone that gets like so anxious in large groups of people and especially in stadiums. Um, like I really, really dread the idea of having to go to Gillette stadium um, and, you know, which is the closest stadium. And um, also I've been to Gillette stadium for a concert before in 2005. I saw green day perform as a middle oh school. My- Oh my god. Yes, yes, it was How so angsty. exciting. I know, I know. I was of course I loved pop punk in my middle school days, of course. Of course. Um and it was so exciting because Billy Joe Armstrong made out with a boy on stage. At that show? Yes. Wow. So you're gonna witness gay history again. Again. Second exactly. time <laughs> yeah, so fuck you, Patriots, Tom Brady. <laughs> former team um okay 
So, yeah, I'm just, like, super anxious about everything that a stadium concert and a stadium concert entails. Like, the just every aspect of it is really stressing me out. But um, I do have my beautiful wife who does not have any of those anxieties. And I am excited to spend the next six months or so, however long it is, um, like working to unpack and hopefully um, eradicate some of those anxieties because Mm -hmm. I do really need to see her. I really do. And I want to be surrounded by like, other gailers and like I'm really committed to making this an accessible thing for not just me but like for anyone who needs it to be accessible for like queerness and other reasons yeah yeah I think I was also really nervous I'm I always am nervous about like a lot of people but Mm-hmm. What I was most nervous about was Swifties, like being in a space with Swifties. Exactly. Because I talked about this already on the podcast before, but when I went to that Taylor Swift night in Boston, it really mm-hmm. was like genuinely scary. Like mm-hmm. people that I would never, ever choose to be in a space with. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I was really, really nervous about that. But a part of me is like, I really can't see that being as big of an issue as I thought it would be with openers like Muna and yes! and you know like I'm like are they really gonna be that brave when there's like Muna like having sex on stage yeah you know, like, what <laughs> I know like we are the ma- the majority in we are the majority this- yeah Exactly. in this tour which i i'm excited about and i hope that that brings more gaylers or at least like queer fans than the straight ones exactly you know i so agree um i mean my people have been talking a lot about like what's your dream performance for tour because there's so many songs that she needs to cover um and that oh. she's never performed live and all these things and i think I really do think that I have to lower my expectations all the way down to only one thing that I really want. And this almost feels like maybe it still is too much for me to decide that this is my one thing. But as of right now, my one thing that I want from Tor is for her to sing the very first night and for her to face the microphone out at the audience after they don't know how much I miss and then have the audience she will. say her instead of you. She a thousand percent will. Like, I don't have a doubt in my fucking mind that she will perform that song and do that at some point. I really hope so. I want Genuinely, it anything. <laughs> I would be more surprised that she didn't do it. Like, if... Like... I, 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 come on. I feel like yeah. that's the whole reason she made that song. Like, she yes, envisioned exactly. doing that. Exactly. Okay, good. I'm so glad that you feel confident. That's going to boost my manifestation powers for sure. And she's been liking so many TikToks of people requesting songs. Like someone said, right where you left me. And she liked the TikTok. Mm -hmm. And um, there was another song too. Oh, and Delicate, one, two, three, let's go, bitch. Yeah, yeah. She she promised to do that, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Um, So... I mean, if she listens to this episode too, then she'll she'll know that's what we need. Like the yes. one thing we're asking of her. Mm-hmm. Please. Um, 
But yeah, I'm very excited about that. There hasn't been a concert that I've like been dying, dying, dying to see since pre-COVID. So yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. And um, and yeah, our like Gaylor Fest team and the people at GaylorSwift.com, like we're right now working on creating something that Gaylors can like meet ahead of time, um, and like figure out like going with fellow Gaylers and maybe even mm-hmm. being in like the same sections together. So keep an eye out for all of that because we are there's like 20 of us working on how to like really sincerely make this like not not just like safe for Gaylers, but, but to fun. Like, but fun. Yeah. And like for us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is so fucking exciting. Like, I've never been able to, like, have a little community like that to be like, let's link up at the, you know? I know. And I feel like it really, considering it's all over the U.S. right now, like, Lord knows how exciting it will be when she releases international dates. But just all over the U.S. right now, it's like, I really think that this is an opportunity for Gaylers who only know each other online or who only know other Gaylers online to meet in a safe public event. Yeah. <laughs> in person. And an event that's like centered around why we're yes. all here. Like, you exactly. know, like and not yeah. just even like a Taylor Swift night even either, like genuinely. Exactly. Yeah. And the other amazing thing about stadiums and like huge venues is that the, in a way it does offer more seclusion and privacy than something like a Taylor Swift night at a club. Yeah. Where it's like all standing room and just like very much in everyone's faces. Yeah. Everyone has a designated spot here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I'm I'm so nervous about getting tickets. I don't know where I'm gonna get tickets. I want to get them in so many different places, and that mm-hmm. is so So I don't know. I want to go on tour with the woman, but <laughs> I know I know. like those those hairy stands that just like fly around the country, like basically with him, and oh just God. go to every show. I'm like, I'm so jealous of you. I would die to do that for the Eras tour. Like, I know, I know. But um, yeah, that's very exciting news, and I can't wait to see you all there, or like see all of us go. You know, exactly. And it's gonna be. Someone was like, well, "She should have just called it Gaylor Fest." Honestly, it's like the gayest Gaylor really, event ever. That's really um, right. And I want to go ahead and um, share a couple of hairpin drops of the week. <gasps> Hairpin drops. Hairpin drops. These are really good ones. I'm going to pull the hairpin trigger. Mm, That's right. First hairpin drop was that. On Taylor's merch, one of her recent merch drops, she had a t-shirt that said, I just want to stay in that lavender haze. The font on said t-shirt was indeed... The same font that was used on the original sign for the Stonewall Inn, and it was named in honor of Marsha P. Johnson, Marsha. And this is not just, oh, it looks like this font. Oh, it is so similar. No, it is the exact font because the people that own the font and license it posted that Taylor used it on this piece of merch. And Confirmed it. Yep. Ugh. They said, check this out. 
Marsha Font used on Taylor Swift merch and you know for what? the fucking lavender haze sweatshirt merch i love that it was only on that one i know i know and you know this makes me feel so happy for obviously like obvious reasons but there have been so many comments on my videos that are like why would taylor swift be talking about stonewall taylor swift doesn't know anything about stonewall like you know, like I'm being like hairpin, you. like Jesus. hairpin drops, a, a hairpin dropping does not reference the Stonewall riots. And I'm like, you don't know what you're saying, first of all. You're homophobic, second of all. Third of all, <laughs> now we have even more evidence to add yeah. to the growing pile of her talking about yeah. Stonewall since 1989. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's incredible. This is one of my favorite... Um, because here's the thing there's is a difference between taylor using queer motifs in her writing and easter eggs yes like not everything taylor does especially the stuff that we analyze and really hone in on are easter eggs they're more like her being gay in an artistic way yeah um and the thing is with this though is like this is a very fun easter egg like fonts are very yes. fun yes. yes and it was obvious that the company was going to post about it like yes so it was an obvious like wink to us scalers that always talk about her referencing stonewall like mm-hmm. uh, god bless us you know like god bless us everyone. we just keep winning we keep winning That's um true. The second hairpin drop that I want to share because we couldn't decide because they're both incredible mm-hmm. also has to do with Lavender Haze. Um, mm-hmm. Haley Kiyoko, a.k.a. Lesbian Jesus, posted a photo with her lavender strips in her hair that she dyed. So oh. similar to mine. Yes, so similar. I <laughs> I've seen like five people with your lavender hair strips. It's like you are really on the pulse. I just, I have this, whatever. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I you, just do things. I, <laughs> I, I just know. do things. Um, and Haley Kyoko captioned her Instagram post, Lavender Haze, but spelled Haze H-A-Y-S. And when I first saw it, I was like, I don't know what this means. Like, is she just making a little funny joke? Like, haha, I'm going to spell Haze wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, in fact, not a hee-hee little joke. and here's why so we're assuming she's referencing the Hayes code which was basically like a set of guidelines in hollywood specifically in the movie industry um and i'm pretty sure it was like established in like the 40s like the 30s or the 40s so very yeah 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 Yeah, 34 a very long time ago Uh and um it basically gave all of the actors and like people working in the industry a code of like morals and like acceptable and unacceptable behavior and content Mm -hmm. that can be included in films Mm -hmm. so it was obvious that 
gayness, anything gay Uh or portraying gay relationships was, what's the word, taboo. It was not, like, literally not allowed. Like, any sort of queer romance or, like, queer relationship, even, not even, even, like, for single gay people, even if it has nothing to do with, like, outwardly being gay, any sort of, or, you know, like, relationships being gay even Mm -hmm. if an individual is like coded like men are coded to feminine or women would be coded to masculine Mm -hmm. um if that could only happen even in the most subtle ways if those characters would end up dead or arrested or some horrible fate by the end of the movie like it was mm-hmm. truly meant to either erase queerness or to actively punish and show um like associate pain with queerness like that was a primary part of the Hayes mm-hmm. code yes exactly and that's still true like obviously yes. now it <laughs> like- really like it really really informed so many of the tropes that we're still seeing and trying to struggle out of today even though the Hayes code is no longer in effect it like really permanently changed the way that people think about queerness in Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, it like pushed culture a certain way to like stigmatize all of that in yeah. real life because it was being stigmatized on screen. Um, and it, and amazing- it, it says it was abandoned in the 1960s, but I think it clearly influenced the rest of Definitely. Definitely. I mean, like when you think about how art works, it's like art is always learning from and referencing things of the past. So there's truly a direct through line of the media we're consuming now being influenced by media that was created during the Hayes Code. And Mm -hmm. like, that's why so many villains in Disney movies, even like 90s Disney movies are queer coded. You know, Ursula was literally designed after Divine the Drag Queen. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it's just like most. <sighs> and by a queer man, too. I mean, exactly right. Exactly right, too, because that's the thing. It's like the reason why a lot of times any queer representation, um, became that of like villains or bad people or people that had to be punished it's because like queer people have always worked in hollywood and the media and it's like we're still hungry for representation Mm -hmm. we're still hungry to have queerness in things because queerness makes everything so special so Mm -hmm. it's like that's what we had to do in order to like see any sort of representation an incredible film that i really recommend to any single person on this world, but especially queer people interested in the Hayes Code and queerness in Hollywood, is a documentary called The Celluloid Closet. Mm. It's narrated by Lily Tomlin. Um, I think it came out probably in the late 90s. It's one of my favorite documentaries of all time. It's like literally my comfort food. It's so, so good. And it's all about like celluloid, meaning the... um material that film is made out of and then Mm -hmm. the closet of like being in the closet it's so so good um so definitely watch that to learn more about the Hayes code I'm intrigued I'm going to watch that 
Good. I just it's one wrote of my it down. Favorites. Yeah, good. And I'm, I'll put the title in the description too, with um, links, of course, too, to the people that discovered or not discovered, but like first posted yeah. about um, the lavender haze caption from Haley and the Marsha Stonewall font. Yeah. All of that will be in the description, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, fascinating that Haley Kyoko is pointing to that when literally talking about the song Lavender Haze about, yes. I don't want this 1950 shit. Um, it It's very obvious. I'm also just fascinated looking at this list of don'ts and be carefuls from the Hayes Code. Right? It's yeah. crazy. It really, and that's why, like, screwball comedy, like, I love movies from the 40s and 50s, and it's primarily because, like, it's all double entendre. Like, even straight mm-hmm. relationships, you, like, have to insinuate that they are married or getting married. Um, So all the double entendres to make anything sexual are, like, just so funny and, like, chaos. Yeah, yeah it's so silly. It's just like I don't yeah. know. I don't know. It's like they the way that they tiptoe around it and just end up like making yeah. it worse and weirder. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, truly fascinating though, and it just it makes you just realize, you know, like that's the type of shit that like Evelyn and Celia were dealing with in the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's kind of their era, so. It's it's almost as if Haley Kyoko is pointing to those kinds of rules still being um, affecting artists today and people in Hollywood. Oh, my God. I would love to someone to write like a queer person, because as we know, Taylor Jenkins Reid doesn't identify as queer. Um, I would love for a, a queer person to thing. make a movie about people about queer people working in Hollywood during the Hayes Code and like just them coming up with like absurd like supposedly anti-queer me like characterization that are actually like so camp and like the and then yeah love it and then just like serving cunt the whole time like Ursula literally like eating every villain up same with like Cruella and yes exactly and Scar is so gay-coded, like being yes. like the single uncle. Uh, yes. Yeah. Disney Disney is like really one of the like last remaining like transparently villains are queer-coded. Mm-hmm. Um, it really wasn't until Elsa that like a, a queer-coded character got to be the like protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. Which... I mean, Ariel too, but that was very subtle. That was very, like, motif. That's the thing. But motif also, it's like, no, it's so true. And it's because The Little Mermaid is based on a queer yeah. fairy tale. It's like they couldn't erase that. Yeah. But those they tried. Yeah, they did try. Especially <laughs> with the addition of Ursula as this, like, everything that Ariel's not. Like, mm-hmm. this, like, fat, queer, like, overly femme, overly sexual, loud, um, like, villain. Like, yeah. they really were trying to be like, mm, Ariel's not gay, no homo. <laughs> and she's the villain trying to take Ariel's voice. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, um... 
Which, another fun little hairpin drop mini, since you mentioned Frozen, the fact that the Bejeweled music video, the scene with all of the diamonds, is literally a parallel scene from Frozen to Elsa, and I I knew that that looked so familiar with the diamonds floating around her and her walking through them, like, and finally someone on TikTok pointed it out and it changed my life. I was a wreck. I was crying about it for, like, two hours Mm. because I loved Frozen. I've spoken about it here before, but, like, I've... uh, I know. That was a really big... There's something about this release. I think it's like... Also, I'm now an adult. Mm -hmm. I'm now a queer adult. Mm -hmm. And I'm like very queer. (laughs) Like, don't shut up about it. Yeah. And now I'm getting to see people like Taylor Swift influence younger generations and instead of me being a part of those generations that are being influenced being like oh look at us like getting representation like I get to reflect and be like oh my god all the young younger than me queer kids are getting to see Taylor Swift go oogu gaga over Dita Von Teese in like lingerie and her being like nice like if I would have seen that as a teenager I literally would have been like yeah nice I'm gay like Taylor is even gay so I am obviously like I I reacted the same way queen like you know I know I know it's just such (sighs) I don't know I I it's a weird full circle thing that's exciting. Totally. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy that we're not even going to get into Bejeweled right now. Um, yeah, no. I feel like, yeah, I think that we can get into the music videos once we've wrapped up just talking about all the songs. And we're still waiting on at least the Lavender Haze music video. Mm-hmm. Lord knows if there will be any other music videos since waiting. people seem to think that this is a full visual album i'm hoping i'm hoping too record store day and black friday happening i feel like we'll make her like put out the 3 a.m version vinyls (gasps) and maybe a new video for record store day oh i love that oh i love that so much that's what i'm thinking but right okay we'll see um renaissance posted this tweet today you guys and i'm so embarrassed that we're about to do it exactly (laughs) right yes and it was like podcast hosts be like 40 minutes into the episode and being like okay so let's just jump right into it i the more the clock was ticking the more i was like we are gonna hit the 40 minute mark before we know that's why i had to say it i couldn't just hold that in because that's so funny that i consciously was aware of it this whole time and yet (laughs) we still are at almost 35 minutes and we're just gonna jump right into it okay we'll jump right in now don't worry (sighs) so today's episode we are going to be talking about tracks 14 through 21 of the bonus tracks and technically there are no albums out at this moment at time of recording that include all 21 tracks she put out with midnights because the target edition has the 13 core songs plus hits different and then two remixes of songs um, which i'm not including in the 21 tracks um, and then, of course, the streaming only 3 a.m. version does not include Hits Different, but it does include tracks 14 through 20. 
I so can't we're believe there's to be- five different versions of this album. Right? Seriously. Thank God there wasn't like a Walmart exclusive or something. Ugh. I can't keep track. You know. Um, so we'll start with Hits Different, since that is track 14 on the Target exclusive. And this song I've only heard because I have like a downloaded version of it, which means I don't listen to it along with the rest of the album. Um, and that it's like kind of like a treat. So a nice mm-hmm. little treat that I intentionally have to click on and listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I can speak for both of us mm-hmm. when I say that this song is one of the best on the album. And maybe the best to me right no me as well i this uh, this track has shot up to the very top of my uh, track listing track track rating um ever since i got high and listened to this song on repeat for like 60 minutes by myself um about a week ago it was heaven on earth and i understood this song in a way that i cannot fully express to you all um but i think this song is my number one right now it makes me scream it makes me cry it makes me transcend it makes me so happy mm-hmm. what did i say the last episode about lavender haze i was like it slaps it gets down it does the worm yeah, something. I wouldn't more. say that hits different, gets down, and does the worm, but it does swallow the sun and explode into a million pieces. Holy shit. Yeah. You know what this song is to me? Hmm. What? Do you know that art installation of like that machine that's like oh. leaking oil and cleaning up the more. oil? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I just That's can't help song. myself. <laughs> yeah. I just can't help myself. That's this song. Uh, why did you have to bring up that machine? I know. Machine. I hope it's okay. Does anyone have updates on it? I don't know. <laughs> it's dead. It's long dead. It died in 2019. Oh. Uh. Um, yeah, that's that's the energy this song gives me. The throwing up in the street, getting uh, taken away in a car. Uh, <laughs> I cannot stress enough how much I fucking love this song. Every fucking aspect of it. Throwing up in the streets. You're coming I pictured it. No, no, no. I don't think you guys heard her. I don't think you guys heard her. I pictured you with other girls in love then threw up on the street yeah exactly Uh, listen there's always everyone has one person in their life that they think about wonder about and are just like you destroyed me in a way that no one else could have like ever and and Taylor does that a lot, like sings about that a lot, especially folklore and evermore, obviously. But something about the directness of this song mm-hmm. is so sad and amazing. Absolutely. I think that that is a theme that's running through Midnight's in general, that these songs, considering they're, you know, 
as she says, like a a collection of midnights across her life. These songs, I can pinpoint to other songs she has written about what I believe to be are similar circumstances. Mm -hmm. And these songs on midnights feel like somehow more truthful, more authentic versions of that. Like, for example, I've said before that Maroon feels like the um, Red Gaylor's version of the song Mm -hmm. Red. And for me, Hits Different is Death by a Thousand Cuts, Gaylor's version. Oh, yes, absolutely. You're so right. It has the same kind of like downward spiral. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the same, like, wordy um, bridge, too. Yes. The like, I look bridge. through, I, I look through the windows of our love, and then her being like, I find the artifacts, cried over a hat. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And, oh, this bridge. I really just, I, I have to skip ahead please, to this bridge. Please. I find the artifacts, cried over a hat, cursed the space that I needed. I trace the evidence. Make it make some sense. Why the wound is still bleeding. You are the one that I loved. Don't need a metaphor. It's simple enough. She's like, I'm done. Like this whole album. She's like, I don't need to do the folklore and evermore. Like my tears are ricocheting. This is my funeral. Like I'm stuck in the restaurant. She's like, no, I'm throwing up in the street drunk. (laughs) And that's it. I'm like a fucking mess. I don't need a metaphor. And then Katie, the third verse, Katie, the third verse, I heard your key turn in the door down the hallway. Is that your key in the door? Or are they coming to take me away? Or is it you? Is it you? Is that sound your key in the door? Are you here? Is it okay finally? Can things go back to normal? Is your key in the door? Or are they coming to take me away? Because I'm sitting here waiting for you still to come back. And they're like, enough. Okay, so, and you did skip over my absolute favorite part. Oh, yes, I sure did. I'm like, we need to. That's okay. I'm very, we need to backtrack back to the bridge. Before your entire world shatters because you hear, hear the third verse the bridge ends with dreams of your hair and your stare and sense of belief okay this bitch is dreaming of a hair hair and this and a stare and someone's sense of belief and their sense of belief is in the good in the world You once believed in me. Your sense of belief in the good of the world that you once believed in me. And I felt you. And I held you for a while. And then after all this, like, she still manages to find a little bit of that like classic Taylor Swift cockiness that I fucking love, even though this whole song is so heartbreaking. She's laying it all on the line. She's telling them like 
you were everything to me. You are everything to me. Nothing is the same. Like but so vulnerable. So vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But she still ends it. Bet I could still melt your world. Argumentative, antithetical dream girl. I didn't realize she said bet. I thought she said, but I could still melt your world. But she says, bet I could still melt your world. She's crazy for that. That's so sad. She's fucking insane for that. I've never loved a line more in my life than, but I could still melt your world. Argumentative, antithetical dream girl. I thought, and I thought when I heard this song first, the, for, the first, uh, for the first time, I thought that she was talking about herself. Like, I could still melt your world. Like, I'm your argumentative, antithetical dream girl. Of course, I wow. could still melt your world. Well, there's a lot of people that agree with you, Madison. And um, I also want to mention dream Where girl, of course, being um, dream girl. All too well. 10-minute version of short film. Yes, and yeah. all the all the girls from that scene are like credited as the dream girls, and at um the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show too, they were, it was like, one of the years it was like dream girls was the theme, so that's that's just facts, love. That's just, it's simple facts. It's very clear that she's. Talking to a girl. A talking to a girl. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure the people that would agree with me calling herself antithetical dream girl would be the people who think she's talking to a boy. But yeah. I, I think of it more as like a reference to like, I call you out on your contrarian shit. Like. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. You know? Yep. And I just love the contrast to like your sense of belief in the good in the world you once believed in me. So like this person has a deep belief in the sense of good in the world, but they're still argumentative and antithetical to everything that Taylor like once dreamed of. Yeah. Yeah. Which already, which is like literally so gay because it's like, like you imagine your life being a certain way and instead like what you find yourself in love with and who you find yourself in love with is antithetical to Mm -hmm. what you thought your dream girl would be and who you thought your dream girl would be yes because the reality of it plays out and it's like there's not it's also a reality check of like there's not really much good in the world if you can't share your relationship type uh-huh. of deal like exactly. it's like you once had this sense of belief in good in the world and in me but now it's destroyed because we couldn't live that uh-huh. proudly happily uh-huh. um but I no also- of course of all this the killer is that that third verse of are they coming to take me away oh Ugh. It just really sounds like her team being like, Taylor, you got to stop. You got to stop drinking. You got to stop pining. You got to stop this like sadness spiral. She's not coming back. Yep. You have to stop slurring her name at at clubs. You're not getting invited anywhere anymore because everyone knows that you're a mess. Mm -hmm. And... 
she did that one for the mentally ill girls, you know? Yeah. Shout out to my girlies who've been hospitalized. For real. Grippy socks. This song is for us. That's right. This song is for us. You think Taylor has grippy socks? I think she does. Absolutely she does. First of all, all those hardwood floors. (laughs) True. But she does like being barefoot. No, I know. It's true. She loves her feet. She does love her feet. She does love her feet. As always, uh, our monthly shout out to Feetlers. You guys stay winning. One more fun interpretation. I think I told you about this, Katie, but I, I thought she I thought the chorus was saying, Oh, my love is a lie. Yes. Even though I know there's commas there and it's oh my love is a lie. Mm-hmm. Like, her friends are saying love is a lie to get her by. But to me, I thought she was saying, my love is a lie. (laughs) And shit my friends say to get me by is her being like, my friends say a bunch of shit to keep up the lie. Mm, To get me by, like, to get me through this breakup, they have to lie for me too so that I can Mm. hide away and... I love that that interpretation because we were talking about how my question to you was what hits different this time Mm. and you were like the breakup and I was like I kind of interpret it as what's hitting different is her friends saying love is a lie Mm. like something that typically would just work before like moving on really fast you know um but this time like those same words are hitting different because like she knows that it's not a lie and love isn't a lie or she is convincing herself that it is true that love is a lie because clearly when it's right you know but why are we not why would it yeah. No, it's it's so true. And I, I just love your interpretation of it um immediately as being about um like pro lying. Yeah, she's like, My love is a lie. My friends say shit to get me by so that yes. I can like grieve this this love that I lost. Like I know, I I love that. I love that. Just truly so fucking good. Thank you, Aaron Desner. Of course he's on, like, producer for this song. Of course. Him and Jack. But, like, of course. Aaron Desner's, not to skip ahead to the, uh, like, to the very end of these bonus tracks, but the two songs that Aaron Desner produced on this album are in my top three. Oh, yeah. I guess... Yeah, he just does such a good job. He really, really yeah, does. Yeah, he really does. It's just two different vibes. Like, him and Jack have two different vibes. But you can tell that this song is both of them, too. Mm, yeah, right, right. Um, do we want to go ahead and move on to The yeah. Great War? Definitely. Let's jump right into The Great War. So... I mean, like, right off the fucking bat, her knuckles are bruised like violets. Yes. All the flower imagery in this song is really something I would love to, like, have Lizzie really sit down with. Um, 
those of some of you may know that Lizzie is an herbalist and um, did this really amazing Patreon episode where like she goes into flower and plant motifs in Taylor's mm-hmm. work and like what they symbolize. Um, so like so fascinating all the flower usage, but to start it off with violets, the sapphic flower. I mean, us amazing. like at three a.m listening to this track for the first time mm-hmm. like you know you think you're done with the album and then she drops this and you hear this first thing mm-hmm. you hear is my knuckles bruised like violets like Ugh. bitches out after yes! the first thing we're hearing from midnights is lavender haze that's the thing and when you think of this as a separate album not that it is really but if she had just released the 3 a.m version as like a seven track mm-hmm. ep at 3 a.m then again you're starting off the album with purple like lavender and violet are like that same shade of purple that means gay 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 and the same equal amount of gay yes (laughs) uh and then of course she references her quote from miss americana when she's talking about coming out as a democrat with tree And she's like, I think it would be so frilly and spineless of me to go out on stage and say happy Pride Month and then not do this, Um, which is a clip that I resurfaced during the Lavender Gate situation because it was sleep deprivation. It was frustration, the homophobia getting to me. I was very emotionally charged. And I reposted that clip being like, yeah, this is spineless of you. You know, like at that in that moment, I, I felt that way. So hearing this song of her being like the great war like i was spineless in my tomb of silence like this song could have been written about lavender gate like if it hadn't have happened like two weeks before the album came out yeah you know exactly like her being like cursed you as i sleep talk tore your banners down like blah 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 blah. i'm like yeah that is how it felt that day (laughs) yeah absolutely Uh, This song is, like, really fascinating to me because it really only, or not only, but it primarily utilizes war and military references and flower references. Mm -hmm. It really reminds me of, like, that motif in the 60s of, like, putting a flower in a gun in order Mm -hmm. to be, like, peace as opposed to, yeah, like, a peace over like militarism um and so like despite that despite the fact that it's like flowers keep peeking through these lyrics it still is such a like cold song does that make sense when i say cold yes and it's one of like the reasons i don't really listen to it a lot it's the drums that make it feel really cold. Yes, yes, yes. It's not like a warm, inviting, like, think of, like, the guitar on piece, how that's, like, dar, 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 dar. Mm-hmm. like it, it, like, kind of brings you in. These drums make you want to back the fuck away. Like, it's, yes. like, yes. put your hands up and back away and be, like, oh, my God, what am I getting into right now? Yeah. Because it's, like, these that military drum style, too. Like, yeah. It's intense as fuck. And that's yeah, why, like. like Yankee Doodle Dandy on his little drums, yeah. Yeah, but then with lyrics like "Crimson Clover, Sweet Dreams Over I know. My Hand," 
Like, blah, 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 put a poppy in my hair. And that's the other thing, too, Crimson Clover being um, a reference to the song Crimson and Clover that's, like, so gay. So um, gay. Like, I don't know a single, like, every cover of it has been a sapphic artist. Pom Pom Squad does an amazing cover of it. Um, so please listen to Pom Pom Squad's cover. And then also Joan Jett does a cover yeah. of it. So it's like... And- Oh my god. I mean, that is a queer song. Like even as a kid, I loved that song. And there's yeah. a reason. And like everyone I know that has always loved that song is gay. Yes. It's, it's, that's one of those things where it's just like on um a spiritual level. It's queer. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. The vibrations of it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um. Oh, and then just obviously i think we talked about this on patreon too but just to mention it on the main feed the great war was world war one that's what it was like nicknamed and it was nicknamed that because they thought that it was the only war of that capacity that would ever happen because it was the only one at that time Mm -hmm. so they had no idea world war ii was coming or the vietnam war like anything that happened after that they swore that was the great war so then listening to this song through that lens makes it even more devastating because they did they did survive the Great War. Yeah, but then it, World but, War II happened. But then what happened? Exactly. Yeah. And no, it being I think the first that's an amazing point. Like you said, if this was like its own separate EP, this being the first track too, it shows that like that wasn't the end of it. Yes, exactly. That's that the thing. This isn't the final song on the album. No. Like it's very much like that was unfortunately the beginning of the story. Mm. And then tears on the letters, so like closure coded. Mm-hmm. And like good faith treaties, like mm-hmm. I don't need your closure. I drew my curtains closed, drank my poison all alone. Curtains closed, is that not giving? Open the blinds, let me see your face. Oh, yeah. Renegade vibes immediately. Immediately. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that the, like, renegade, absolutely. Again, like, even just that image of a renegade is very, like, um, evoking, like, weapons and violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like that is part one and then this is like the solution can i say i think epiphany is part one and then it's like oh my god and then renegade and then the great war i love that i mean i would love to go into epiphany as potentially meaning more than just a song about covid and um like her grandfather's experience in world war ii i think it's all of it you know like her even in peace again like sit with you in the trenches and like epiphany gives you the imagery of like of like two soldiers together crawling up the beach and like one of them being like he's bleeding out like a relationship between two soldiers and you know very like forrest gumpy type of vibe and like i've always pictured it being kind of gay and like don't ask, don't tell. Some things you can't speak I about. I love that. I love you know? that. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah, that is so 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 true. That's really true. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, I feel like peace. I think the grandfather explanation thing is like probably a little bit true. She probably was looking into that history at the time, but I think mm-hmm. it was a little bit of a cover up <laughs> for the actual meaning. I love that. Um and also peace being a part of this trilogy as well. Yes. Um like that could be actually the third song in this because it's like you think that the great war is over but actually i could never give you peace yeah like guess what that was just one that was just world war one and there's going to be many more world wars after that but i'll sit with you in the trenches during the yes exactly but i cannot give you peace i will never ensure that yikes um and then I, the the course changes a little bit. Like it goes from "Sweet Dream Was Over" to "The Bombs Were Closer," mm-hmm. and it goes from "Tears on the Letter," I vowed not to cry anymore, to "The Burning Embers," I vowed not to fight anymore. Mm-hmm. So like it's it's a fire. It's a goddamn blaze in the dark. You started it, and then mm-hmm. like once that fires out, like embers still left over that's very um our first episode coded like i remember us talking very heavily about taylor being like embers and like her scorpio rising being very regenerative Mm. reigniting something that was supposed to be dead yes exactly i mean that's the thing i was thinking about we've been doing so many fires outside this fall and it's like there are ways that embers even though it seems like the fire is all over, like if it's too dry, embers can come back as fire. Mm-hmm. You know, like in dry climates, when there's a drought, so to speak, like things can come back roaring and be just as bad, if not worse, than they were before. I mean, where I'm from in Arizona, there's wildfires like every month because of one person throwing a cigarette butt out their car window starts like. Yeah miles and miles of wildfires like Mm. just because it's so dry and i picture that in this imagery of the burning embers vowed not to fight anymore but then the bridge goes it turned into something bigger like well there you go yeah it you vowed not to fight anymore but there were embers left over that reignited all of it the great war was not over it just turned into something bigger and different (laughs) (sighs) You know, a lot of this imagery from the bridge, too, is so reminiscent of All Too Well 10-Minute Version. Oh, yes. Like, I'm a soldier returning half her weight, the the winter barren cold. I still remember the first fall of snow, um, mm. like, broken and blue. <sighs> and, of course, the, the reference to the lakes soldier down on that icy ground mm-hmm. and then like a red rose grew up out of ice frozen ground <gasps> yes thank you mm-hmm. oh my god major one this song just leaves me with so many questions yeah. it's really like kind of classic taylor not classic taylor but this is very very like folklore evermore of her the song and doesn't it feel like in a way it the way that it's kind of so cryptic and at the same time revealing, but we're not really sure like what exactly she's talking about, even as gailers who like usually exactly. know exactly what she's talking about. <laughs> yes. 
it feels like at some point we'll have context. Like, you know, like this is something that's going to settle in for us the same way Folklore Nevermore did and how we just slowly build context over time because of like little things she says about songs and whatever. So I'm hoping over time this song will make even more sense. For now, we have like kind of an idea of what it is because of yeah. But. I mean, those are kind of the most fun songs for me. Yes. The kind that I'm really more focused on the imagery and the metaphor she's using. Um, and like, I, it needs to like sit with me more. Yeah. And in general, I do think that the bonus tracks are more ever more folklore in the, in the way that like, you know, nothing, uh, nothing really bubbles to the surface right away. Yeah. It's very like quill pen oh for sure. songs has she Bill added the am versions to her little like tracker that's a great question i'm really not sure this would have to be a quill song right um yeah yeah i would think i would think it's so. not or fountain maybe i don't really understand her difference maybe between fountain. those two i'm like really Sometimes, because sometimes she'll categorize songs as fountain that I swore were quill or vice versa. So I don't sure, know. Sure, yeah, that makes sense to me. It's like fountain is like the Taylor. Like t- fountain is like classic Taylor. Song. Too well. I mean, that is the example she gave. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is quill. This is quill. Absolutely, it's quill. Did you officially um, look it up, or are we just saying that for certain? Oh, no, I'm just saying that. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I would yeah. agree with that. Um, also, what do you think about the line, somewhere in the haze, got a sense I'd been betrayed? So oh, is I she referencing somewhere in the lavender haze? Mm. Like, I mean, it really puts a whole new vision onto haze, because, you know, when the album starts, we're like, oh, this heavenly, like, queer like lavender haze of like everything sensuous Mm -hmm. and like heady you know it's like perfume is like a lavender um but then in with all this war imagery i'm immediately thinking of like like smoke from guns and like Mm gunpowder and bombs and like poisonous gas um and so it's like really makes you question the lavender haze mm-hmm. and also like if she is in the lavender haze right now which part of me thinks that she it, like that is a right now song because it is at midnight aka the first song yeah so it's kind of like that's my present um so assuming she's in the haze right now, it's like, is this song her being prophetic and her like manifesting that like she and her love survive the great war that they're going through right now? Yeah. And that right now she's in the haze. And so like right now she's feeling betrayed, but she can imagine a future where she no longer feels betrayed and actually it turns out that she had no reason to feel betrayed like it, it really like i think begs that question for me right and then the red rose grows yes yeah yes because lord knows the lakes is also prophetic feeling oh yes because it's very much about the future and like 
you know, in the future when she will just uh, run away, run away and like turn into a statue covered in flowers. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, how could we not talk about your finger on my hairpin triggers? I know. And she does say that. I'm pretty sure I remember seeing this. Like someone tweeted that she says that line at 222 in the song. Ooh. 222. What What is your take on what that means? I think it's just like calling attention to the line. Yeah. I think it was just well, like, oh, we could make this line hit on 222. Let's do it. I think that at the 3 a.m. listen when all of like you know 150 of us were on i think we all freaked out the most at hearing hairpin trigger yeah because like that is such a like gayler community mm-hmm. reference like i mean of course the stonewall reference it's like we've all clung on to the fact that she purposefully said you could hear a hairpin drop instead of you could hear a pin drop mm-hmm. and for her to call back to it and hairpin trigger is not what it's called. It's a hair trigger. So she like truly, truly included another hairpin drop. She's <laughs> like, one. she took two different phrases, like common phrases, yes. and turned them into hairpin references. Mm. And it's like to bring attention to it because like she could have incorporated hairpin in any way that like made more sense. But it's it's. Yeah specifically to kind of like manipulate a phrase that already exists so that people are like huh i wonder why she said hairpin instead of hair exactly Exactly, yes but no one has critical thinking skills except for gaylers so that's (laughs) that's where the disconnect is but like you said hairpins are a major thing in the community one of the main 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 evidences that i always return back to you know how sometimes we like gaslight ourselves like maybe taylor isn't gay we're being crazy not much anymore of that happening um (laughs) no yeah not not too much anymore but yeah yeah at the beginning of like folklore evermore gayler times it was always returning back to the hairpin drops because that was so obvious and Mm -hmm. why would a straight person know that or Mm -hmm. put that in a song exactly um also, I also wonder what that think, means well i wonder what it means and i was about to say does this tie into right where you left me is she also trying to connect these two songs mm-hmm. because i think again that adds to this idea that she's trying to manifest a true ending to the great war and she's like i'm still here if you ever think you got it wrong yeah, i'm ready to <laughs> I'm ready to make this reality. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, that's what it sounds like after the bridge. Because in the third verse, she's like, it's almost like she's like, if you come back to me, if we can fix this, we can plant a memory garden and you can put a poppy in my hair and we'll never go back. Like, I know now that that wasn't fair and like that wasn't the morning glory that we wanted. Like, it's it's very much her manifesting being like i thought i lost you how about instead we just plant a memory garden yes it's so oh my god it's so afterglow it's so it's on me it's all my fault please don't okay 
Well, okay, thank you for saying afterglow, because that brings me back to this question of fountain pen quill versus glitter gel pen. Because Mm. did you know that she considers afterglow to be a glitter gel pen song? Yeah, that makes sense to me. (gasps) It does? Yeah, it does. Because that is... Yeah. I think, yes. I have always seen Afterglow as this weird addition to the album that could have been another single. Mm. Because it was also rumored to have been written originally for Ariana Grande. (gasps) And you can even hear, like, in the background vocals, there's a lot of theories. Or maybe it was Camila Cabello. Fuck. It was one of those. Okay. Or maybe it was both, like rumors of it being for both. But if you listen to the song, it sounds like Camila Cabello, like <gasps> the way she's singing in that oh, high, like breathy register. It literally sounds like Camila, and the background vocals sound like Camila. Weird. So it's like Afterglow always did feel like a glitter gel pen single type of vibe to me. Okay, cool. But. That doesn't take away from the meaning of it still connecting to this at all. I guess you're right, yeah. I think she just, I think it's a glitter gel pen song because it's not super like wordy and and metaphorical. It's just like, yeah, it's on me. Don't go. Meet me in the afterglow. (laughs) Meet me in the morning glory, if you will. Yeah, exactly. In the memory garden. Meet me in the memory garden at midnight. Betty. Betty? (laughs) I love the genius description. Oh, what is it? Despite the conflict, the great word delivers a hopeful message, describing a couple emerging from the tension together and promising to love one another always, since they already survived a difficult period together. Mm, Thank you so much, genius. Always shedding so much light onto a song that we wouldn't have already known. Yeah, I had no idea. Hmm. Lest us not forget that in the lyric video, it shows that giant white flag waving. That's very scary. But at one point, there's like a sunset that's kind of like, like it fades from one shot of a sunset to the to the flag. And they overlay on top of each other. And it looks, so it looks like, like a rainbow the, flag. A rainbow flag on the yeah. white flag. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's really amazing. Or considering it's a sunset, you could say it looks like a sunset flag. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, another name for the lesbian. Still, flag. yeah. Yeah. Um, but this song is crazy. It, mm. it It's very Gaylor. It could be directed to Gaylors. It could be directed to um, a queer relationship that she was having in secret or in public trying to keep a secret that mm-hmm. didn't work out because of everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like to read it as one of those addressed to Gaylers in a weird way. Mm. Wow. Like, we survived the great war of me putting out You Need to Calm Down and everyone thinking that I was queer baiting for kissing Katy Perry and then deleting it. Um <gasps> That was the original Great War. I thought the bloodshed was over, and then Betty Gate happened. <laughs> I that's very interesting too. 
that's how I I kind of listen to it from my own ears (laughs) well if that's the thing it's like if that's the case then this is like the fourth song on the 3am version that feels like it's to Gaylers yeah like I vowed I would always be yours if we got past this weird coming out that I had to do because I couldn't say it directly because uh, I remember you and Lizzie were listening to High Infidelity and you both were like, no, but actually think about this song as if it's written to Gaylers. And yeah. that makes so much sense. And then, of course, like Dear Reader. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. We got a lot to get through. Let's move on to Bigger Than the Whole Sky. <laughs> okay. So I have to say Bigger Than the Whole Sky is Rob is also in my top three favorite songs on this album. Wow. Um, I really, really, really love this song so much. It's stuck in my head all the time. Um, And I think it came at the perfect time, too, because before Midnight's came out, Lizzie, my wife, was listening to the Fearless Vault tracks, like, on a loop all the time. Mm-hmm. And that song ends, of course, or that album ends with Bye Bye. Oh, yeah. And, like, that song just makes us both so emotional. So when this song came out, like, I kind of immediately thought of this as, like, the song that I can relate the most to on the album, like, emotion wise like it brings out the most of my own personal emotions mm-hmm. it's kind of weird to say that because you know especially because I went on and on about hits different but there's just something about this idea of like if I were to lose like Lizzie then it would literally be like like you were bigger than the whole sky like that is there's like nothing better I think that I can even think of that describes like how I would feel like this mm-hmm. song is like, it just, I like know exactly how she feels, what she's talking about. Yeah. Well, in and a lot of ways, like hard. when you say bigger than the whole sky, like to me, what I first think about is like hope and faith and God and like what people like associate to the sky, like the gods, astrology, the stars, the map of like, birth charts and like the faith that we all put in in the sky and like space you know and like the way that it reminds us all the time that we're so small and like there's so much more to worry about and like there's so Mm -hmm. much more out there so like it makes sense that you would you would compare like your partner like your life partner to the sky and like this ineffable feeling that you can't describe but is your entire reason for waking up every day and like like tells time like the sky tells time and like dictates your how you move through the world like in such a large metaphorical way but like still um yeah it's definitely one of those songs that's like you could apply to loss of any sort. Any sort. Any yeah. sort. Like, this song is really, like, a tremendous song about grief yeah, and mourning in general. Um, yeah, the theories, the theories that are out there right now, you know, really speculating on it being about a miscarriage 
or something like that, like feels so like simultaneously like beautiful for every single person who has ever like experienced a miscarriage or like even you know Mm -hmm. like chosen to have gotten an abortion like Mm -hmm. there's like or dealt with like dealt with like any sort of loss like that like I really love the idea that you know like I'm applying it to my own life and feelings that so many people would be able to apply it to that and it also just feels like so like unfounded and painful that people are speculating once again on Mm -hmm. like whether Taylor has been pregnant or like terminated pregnancies or like lost a pregnancy like why are we doing this like that is literally the one thing she's begging people not to talk about and it's like so painful to see like demois like Mm -hmm. posting rumors about like this as soon as the song comes out yeah like, like these are not really? hairpin drop Easter eggs for everyone to speculate if she's had a miscarriage or ever been pregnant before. <laughs> this is this is I not know. like this is the fucked up speculation that that no one should be doing. <laughs> Seriously. And at the same time, like I really love that like you know the song does resonate with so many people like because it's like the song is just about grief i do yeah i do love the interpretation of it being about a miscarriage and being applied to like that experience like it really makes sense it really really does Mm -hmm. just like it makes sense for like the loss of like a loved one or even just like a breakup like losing someone in your life like exactly personally my favorite way to listen to it i'm thank god now we're gonna do it i'm so yeah finally um so the first thing i thought about hearing this and seeing the title even before i even like started the song mm-hmm. the night that we listened to it bigger than the whole sky reminded me of her explanation of anti-hero in her reel where she was like sometimes i feel like my life is really big and unmanageable and it makes me feel not like a person mm-hmm. like it's too big And I think that that was her kind of like nudging us to let us know when she's talking about bigger than the whole sky, she's Mm -hmm. talking about herself and maybe like her inner child, her younger self, who she could have been, who she should have been, who she would have been if she was never famous or if she could have made different career decisions maybe not signed certain morality contracts signed certain ndas whatever the case is all these haze code things that Mm -hmm. the industry does like like even just reading the lyrics like thinking about taylor saying salt streams out my eyes and into my ears quite literally her saying my tears because i'm laying down so my tears fall into my ears but also my tears go straight into my music and mm-hmm. therefore into my ears. Yes. And her just like blaming everything she touches, becoming sick with sadness because of her fame makes a lot of sense. Mm. And her just kind of like accepting that and the fact that she's now like what, 31, 32, and she there is no going back now like it's her finally being like it's all over now it's all out to sea like there's no chance for me to meet what could have been me and this is just another thing that I have to pine over and accept 
<sighs> exactly. And I, so I've been thinking primarily about your interpretation as I listen to this song. And again, I listen to this song a lot because I love it so, so much. Um, and I think that the biggest case that can be made for your interpretation is the would have, could have, should have inclusion. Yes. And the context of that song being dancing with the devil at 19. And the whole, I cannot fucking wait to get into that song because like, why would she include those phrases so close to another song unless she's just giving us another side of that spectrum? Because as we'll get into what have could have should have to me is the ultimate, like, fuck you, Scott Borchetta, like, fuck you sony fuck you every single Mm -hmm. adult that i wrote to in my prologue on debut Mm -hmm. like every single person that treated me like um i had power when i didn't uh you know like the people that took her girlhood from her Mm -hmm. and that's one side of it like that anger like i regret you all the time i'll never know i miss who i was i'll never know who i'll be like i'll never know what my life could be and so there's so much anger and pain there and then bigger than the whole sky it's like i have to fucking grieve for this child this girl that never got to grow up this is like the acceptance kind of phase which acceptance doesn't have to mean like accepting it but it's the phase of trying to accept it and that's what this is it's like goodbye i'm gonna pine over you forever but that's never gonna happen like i lost it already you're gone but yeah and then what have could have should have is like the angry portion of grief where you're finding the blame and you're like no there's people to blame for me pining over myself like Mm -hmm. um and also in the second verse some bird flap its wings over in asia is like a reference to the butterfly effect um and it reminds me of a scene from the movie mr nobody um with jared leto uh but the movie um I watched it back in high school and it's one of those movies that like changed my entire life and like the way I look at the world and one of the reasons is because they reference like the butterfly effect and they like show it it happening and I'm pretty sure the scene is like a butterfly flapping its wings in Asia and then it like leading to a series of like a million other events in the movie but like I don't know if that's what she's referencing here or if it really is just like butterfly effect um wow that's so cool but because what that movie is about is like if I would have made one different decision these are all the different outcomes that could have happened if I would have just decided this at this moment you know like it goes through all the scenarios so tracks with like if i would have never danced with the devil Mm -hmm. and did some force take you because i didn't pray Mm -hmm. that is such like religious guilt of like i know so many people with like almost like ocd tendencies when it comes to i I have OCD uh, with specifically, like, this, like, moral purity and feeling that, like, if I don't pray in the right way or, like, enough, then, like, Mm -hmm. I am cursing the people that I love. So, yeah, like, absolutely. That line also, I can't even go into it. I really, like, this fucking song really, 
I can't even go into it. I really can't. I didn't know that you also had that, like, that tendency, but, like, that's so fucking real for so many people. And her just, and like, this is also her, again, before placing blame and, like, would have, could have, should have. So this is her placing blame on the universe, like, the butterfly effect, and then placing blame on herself, being, like, Mm -hmm. maybe it's because I didn't pray. Mm -hmm. And I'll say words I don't believe. Again, Taylor Swift calling herself a liar. God, that's my favorite part. Like, she doesn't believe it's really goodbye. Like, the words that she doesn't believe are goodbye. Like, it's not really the end. Yeah. But she Uh, has to say it's the end. It's all over. It's not meant to be. So I'll say words I don't believe. Don't believe. Goodbye. Oh, Madison, how could she have written this song? How could she have done this? It's really, really sad. It's the most sad song in the whole world. And not to mention the other time she's talked about skies, Katie, and the ways that we've talked about it on the podcast of her screaming at the sky in My Tears Ricochet Mm -hmm. or um, in the folklore prologue, like all of your secrets written in the sky for all to behold. Yeah, yeah. And the way that the sky was like the lover album cover too. Like mm-hmm. it's just and and then think about this too. I thought about this when I was listening to it this morning. A rainbow in the sky. Like thinking about that and like her like placing herself possibly as a rainbow and being like goodbye, you were never real. Like I don't know. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. A rainbow literally is bigger than the sky. There's no end or beginning to it. But it's also not real. Like, it's just kind of like a visual illusion. Exactly, yeah. It's horrible. It's just horrible. Um, Someone else pointed out, too, that in this song she says, could have, would have, should have. And later on, we'll get to it, but in the song, would have, could have, should have, she doesn't really say those words. Wait, really? Is that true? She only says would have. <gasps> oh my god, that's so... Okay, so these songs feel so intrinsically linked. Yeah, I'm scrolling through... We'll get to would have, could have, should have, but like just really quick, like... All, she only says it once, would have, could have, should have, in the pre-chorus before she says, if I'd only played it safe or whatever. But the whole time she's saying, I would have stayed on my knees. I would have, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, it's just so interesting that she says it more in um, Bigger Than the Whole Sky, which gets me confused, like the two songs, as we're even oh, talking about them. Yeah. Like, yeah. I still don't know these songs well enough to like have them separated like that. But Yeah, it's very true. But yeah, Bigger Than the Whole Sky, I believe, is to herself and about her career and her public persona being bigger than the whole sky and her pining for a normal version of herself mm. that she never met. I And I love I love that. I really, really love that. Especially because the whole phrase for this album was meet me at midnight. Meet me. Mm. Midnight's mayhem with me. She's like, I'll never meet what could have been you. Hi, it's me. 
It's me. Hi. And then the drastic, drastic jump to Paris after that. It is, and it is drastic. It okay, is so drastic. Paris was Lizzie's first song, uh, Lizzie's like least favorite song on the album. Mine Lizzie too. did not like Paris. Um, and I love that it's been stuck in your head. See, I don't really have, as I've said many times, and I'll say forever, I don't think that any album on this, any song on this album is like worth a skip. So I don't really like have uh, anything wrong, pro- <laughs> like a problem with the song. Um, it's more just like, I think that Paris to me is special because I had my honeymoon there. And mm. you know what's really crazy that I thought of is Lizzie and I honeymooned in Paris on New Year's Eve. Oh my so god. So we were at midnight in Paris. That's crazy. Like you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. E midnights we experienced in Paris. Oh, what if and what if New Year's Eve was like about a night in Paris too, like a New Year's in Paris? Oh Can you imagine? Like no. Oh. That's so because yeah, if all of these songs are about like midnights in her life, then like this would have been one of her midnights, and therefore one of your guys's midnights. I mean, exactly. Well, the only problem is, is that like the thing is, is about this song is that she's not in Paris. They just feel like she's there. Yeah. In Paris. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. What do you What do you think there is to say about this song? This feels like a classic, like glitter gel pen, like. You know, like, I think he knows, like, bopping around on the sidewalk. Yes. Um, it's so lover. It's I mean, so city lover. of lover. Yeah. 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 Um, The part that keeps getting stuck in my head is, I'm so in love that I might stop feeling to a mouth on your bed. Like, That's the pre-chorus gets me. But the chorus That's is what best. makes me skip every time. Like, once the chorus comes on, I'm like, oh, this song is so annoying. Like, I'm, it's growing on me. Again, it's growing yeah. on me. But this and The Great War have been skips for me the past couple of weeks just because mm-hmm. of how abrasive the drums are in Great War mm-hmm. and how annoying the chorus is in this song. But I, <laughs> I say that I say that with so much love because the chorus too, You Need to Calm Down, and To Me are also annoying and I fucking love those songs still. So, you know, it's like yeah, yeah. glitter gel pen realness. Yes, yes. And also, it's interesting that it almost sounds like she's doing a, they don't know how much I miss her, aka, like, they don't know how much I miss you when it should be her, when she says, we were somewhere else. Like, somewhere else is so awkwardly forced. I think that's why I don't like the chorus. Else in Paris yes but it's like the way that she says it like i don't know it's like it just it seems like she's trying to point us somewhere else yes like she's directly trying to and like obviously she's talking about an experience where like they're so in love they feel like they're in the city of love but they're not actually there they're somewhere else but like why did she use that phrasing so awkwardly and clunky Unless, like, it was kind of a, like, bait and switch. You know what I mean? 
Right. Like, it does sound like someone forgetting, like, they're about to admit it. And then they remember they can't say where they were. So she says, somewhere else. <laughs> oh, my God. So true. Yeah. No, you're so right. It's like her catching herself. I mean, like, like, we were in Paris. Like, we were somewhere else. Yes. Yeah, exactly. somewhere else. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Um, Especially because love. the whole, like, the whole rest of the verses are so fast. Like, I'm so in love. And then she's like, like, we were in Paris. So that is that is interesting to think about. Again, I think this is a song that will be repa- re re uh, rethinking for a while. Absolutely. Oh, oh. And, oh, the beginning, the beginning phrase. We have <laughs> to get into it because this is what everyone says. Oh my god, I I don't want to do this, Madison. I don't want to get. I know. It. Let's do it. Let's do it. We don't have to get fully into it. I also don't really remember like what everything actually. Your ex-friend's sister met someone at a club and he kissed her. Turns out it was that guy you hooked up with ages ago, some wannabe Z-lister. And all the outfits were terrible. 2003, unbearable. Did you see the photos? Okay. No, I didn't. No, I I didn't. But thanks, though. So on Genius, they put quotes around your ex-friend's sister um all the way to did you see the photos technically we don't know if there are supposed to be quotes because there's no lyric booklet for this. true so we don't know that there's supposed to be quotes which is why it I probably that- says in the lyric video though <gasps> oh my god yeah definitely and i, I think it does would. show this all being one person saying it yeah, because that's the thing. It's like, we don't know for sure whether Taylor is talking or being talked to in this first verse. But I really interpret it as her being talked to. And then she responds, no, I didn't. But thanks, though. I'm so in love that I might start breathing. Yeah. And the rest is Taylor talking. Agreed. A thousand percent agreed. And someone on TikTok um made such a funny video of writing like this whole first part on a whiteboard and like an English teacher literally marking the pronouns and like who's talking about who and they basically broke it down to be like Taylor is either talking about a queer woman or like a queer person that hooks up with men Mm -hmm. also like maybe a queer man like like it's not though a straight man (laughs) Like, yeah, there's no yeah. way that this phrase makes sense. Also, Katie, something I realized yesterday, mm-hmm. she dropped this album on Kim Kardashian's birthday. We all know. Mm-hmm. She dropped an album on Kim Kardashian's birthday with a song that's a glitter gel pen, poppy, boppy little hit. Oh my god, no. Called Paris. Oh no. Oh no. When literally Kim was robbed in Paris. And Taylor's like, like we were in Paris. Oh my god. And not to mention someone, I don't remember who it was or where to find the link. I'm sorry, you guys. I would include it if I could, but I saw it the other day, a TikTok of someone explaining why this whole first part is about Courtney and Kim Kardashian and one of their little um like model friends that um 
like Courtney first hooked up with in Paris in these awful outfits that were 2003 unbearable and it was the first time that this guy was seen with the Kardashians and since then he's like came up as like a model and influencer because of them but he was nobody at this time he was a z-lister in Paris when he first hooked up with Courtney your ex-friend's sister so like maybe like Kendall's sister met someone at a club he kissed her it was that guy you hooked up with ages ago, some wannabe Z-lister. I love that. It's it's just, like, very funny. Like, she, like, she's just kind of, like, making fun of the fact that, like, she doesn't care about, like, celebrity gossip, which is a very, like, lesbian, very gay coded of her. Yeah. Like, she just doesn't. Like, it's not interesting to her. Oh, my God. Especially lesbian coded when you consider, like, the beginning of a relationship. Like, the lavender haze. And, yeah. like, genuinely being like, I have no fucking clue what's going on outside of my bedroom. No, like, exactly. <laughs> How oh dare my you God, ask exactly. me if I saw the news? I've been laid up for months. Like, you yes. have with my girlfriend. How dare you? I know. I know. How dare you assume I saw the photos? No. I'm literally yeah. in my and bed. And also, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I I also love Drew a map on your bedroom ceiling. It reminds me of Grand Central Station. Like oh, yes. constellations. Yes, absolutely. No, I I'm so in love that I might stop breathing. Drew a map on your bedroom ceiling is like one of the best little couplets um of the whole album, I think. Like mm-hmm. those two lines yeah. really, really stand out as like just the sweetest little things. That's what's getting stuck in my head. Just those two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Stumble Down Pretend Alleyways reminds me of the very first night, actually, when she's like oh, dance that. in the kitchen, chase me down through the hallway, and like a hallway being a pretend alleyway, you know? Danced in the kitchen, you say. You know, the night out in LA, dance in the yeah. kitchen. Yeah. That yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me of something. Anyways. And the other time she's referenced Paris is in Begin Again. The Begin Again music video is all set in Paris and she has like her little bicycle. Oh oh my gosh, that's cute. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. And she wears a lavender dress like on a roof in in Begin Again. Like her (gasps) lavender dress like flows in the wind and she like throws it. Okay, so Paris almost feels um red coated then it absolutely is to me but then you think about like city of lover and it's like hmm no completely but i cannot stress enough that this song does not take place in paris no it does not at all it's not that is the thing that's like what i keep thinking of and also the cheap wine not the roommate's cheap wine no exactly where where is that here that's in stumble down pretend alleyways cheap wine make believe make believe with champagne so i don't think that taylor swift any year after um mm-hmm. 2014 like, 2014 would be drinking cheap champagne agreed this is like a red era song to me or 19 oh, i love that i love that privacy sign on the door and on my page and on the whole world and on my page and on my page like myspace <gasps> like she's private yeah i was thinking more on like her diary pages 
romance is not dead if you keep it just yours. Okay, some of these lyrics do hit really hard, but they seem so boppy when they're clunky. Like, they're clunky and like they it's like the the beat kind of like makes you realize like makes you not think about how good they are. She's like romance is not dead. <laughs> because it's so like weird this song is so weird like your ears don't expect anything that comes no it's so true i do like it i do like it and people have pointed out that um sit quiet by my side in the shade and not the kind that's thrown i mean the kind under where a tree has grown could be confirming our theory that um shade never made anybody less gay a mm-hmm. means the shade given by the presence of tree pain mm-hmm. her publicist listen when you have premium pr yes you really can get a tree to grow anywhere you want and you can go to paris mentally That's so all true. thanks to the tree pain all thanks to the tree trina pain thank you trina can't believe Shout that's real name still. Um, I can't believe we were saying Trina Payne for months, and I thought we were just kidding. And that's your real name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if that is confirming it, then that's another Archer's reference on the album. Check and mate. Check mate. Um, and it is hilarious because the way she says that line is also cheeky, and like you can tell she's like smiling saying it. It's like yes. Funny. She's like, Absolutely. not no, not the kind of shade that's thrown. The kind where a tree grows. Exactly. Like, the kind that's good for me. The kind that I actually have under control. Yes, exactly. Not the homophobic hiding, but the, <laughs> the purposeful hiding. Yeah, the pro-homo hiding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, oh, God. Next. And then this bridge. Next. Let's just skip. Let's just go to the next song. Yeah, let's go to the next song. Oh, um, wait, flashing well, lights, though, and the tower at midnight is giving lighthouse well, vibes again. Lighthouse vibes. Lighthouse vibes? Let the only flashing lights be the tower at midnight, like a lighthouse, like like Hyannis Lighthouse. Oh. oh, I love that. Okay, yeah, or Rhode Island Lighthouse. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant that coast i can't believe that we almost skipped over the bridge can i want to transport you which again very um in the sky to somewhere like i want to like i wish we could fly um to somewhere the culture's clever confess my truth in swooping sloping cursive letters come on Oh, I love that the culture's clever, like so Oscar Wilde of her. Isn't clever one of those like old slang gay terms? Like oh, synonym wow. for gay? Like oh very God. clever. I, of I would you. love that if that were the case. I don't remember. Like it it, remi- it just reminds me of the word curious, like how that's like such a queer word. Well, like I mean, that's the thing. Cause I immediately thought of Oscar Wilde somewhere the culture's mm-hmm. clever like just yeah. you know like 
these like artistic, which again, very carnations coded going to Maroon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then confess my truth, like all the letters, the thrown out speeches. I almost wrote to, I, yeah, from the archer. And is Paris known for like having queer spaces and being like a safe place for queer people? Because I'm not really sure, but I feel like that's what she's saying. It's like, I want to transport you to somewhere we could just like be normal within that culture. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because in America, we can't. <laughs> like, yeah. That is so true. I think Paris is pretty like. I could be wrong. Like listeners will correct me if if so, but um, I think Paris is pretty inclusive when it comes to queer people because they're so like sexually liberated <laughs> over there and like yeah. all about like sex for pleasure, not like necessarily. Well, gay Paris. What is that? Wait, it's literally called gay Paris. Is it? Yeah. Oh my god, why am I just remembering this now? Literally, that was the main joke that Lizzie and I did for our honeymoon. Because like that was why gifts, you guys went to Yeah. For like gifts, we were like, help us go to gay Paris. And I think I was Seriously? like, Paris just got a little gayer. Like that's what they call it. They call it gay Paris. Wait, wait, what is happening right now? Why did I completely forgot that? How would how did we just skim over that, Katie? I I truly don't know. I forgot also you went on your honeymoon there and I'm sitting there like, I don't know what it's like there, but like. Okay, yes. So it's a very popular phrase and it comes from the time um, where gay meant happy and carefree, you know, like it means like gay is unhappy, but like, oh my God. I think, I think, yeah, that's gay. Yeah. Yeah, that is so gay. Wait, I can... Oh, oh my god, thank you. That is like a common name for gay Perry. Yeah, or for Paris. See, that makes even more sense then for this song. She's like... And for it to be like the setting for Begin Again. Like, I wonder if that's why she picked... Because Begin Again sounds like such an awakening song to me. Like, genuinely her being like, I didn't realize I could love like this. Like, And all the he you. Yeah. Like, he didn't like when I wore high heels. I do. And you do. And you think I'm funny. And he didn't. And he hated this song. Yeah. He hated my James Taylor records. Hmm. That's why she did it in Paris in a lavender dress. I highly recommend watching the Begin Again music video. Katie, I'm talking to you, too. Yeah. No, definitely. We. I remember we. one of the Gaylor groups we did... um, you requested the Begin Again video. I did? Oh, yeah, you of course did. I did. I'm so I know. funny. Or speak now, baby. Always. I mean, that is red, but... <laughs> okay, but lavender dress? I know. In, pa- yeah. in Paris? That's it was still my... Coded. Yeah. my Just speak now in red were my biggest, like, Swifty eras anyway. Like... Yeah. Um... Is the swooping, sloping, cursive letters? Everyone said that that's a reference to lover. And I'm assuming that's kind of right, right. But I feel um, like it might be about something else too. I yeah, know. I mean, I, I just it really just reminded me of the a hundred thrown out speeches I almost said to you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we're on to high infidelity. 
<laughs> I love this. High Infidelity explores a pattern of Taylor... Wait, continues a pattern of Taylor exploring the nuances of cheating and infidelity, which started in 2020's folklore. Okay, what... I would love to try to... Can we, like, think about this song from, like, a... It's not... Hitler perspective? Because, like, I don't understand how this could be about cheating. Like, just because the word infidelity is in there, to me, infidelity means, like, so much more than, like, cheating in a relationship in this context. And it's, like, keeping count. Like, how is, like... Yeah. I didn't know you were keeping count of how many times I was cheating. Like, you'd think she's saying that, really? (laughs) Yeah, it's just, I don't really get it. I think the interpretations that I've seen is, like, Locke Broken being a reference to, like, her and Calvin Harris's locket that was not her and Calvin Harris's locket for, like, their anniversary. And then Slur Spoken, I've seen people say, like, maybe one of her boyfriends called her a bitch, um, okay. Okay. And you know, like, do you really want to know where I was? Do I really have to tell you about this guy I cheated on you with? Like, but still, like, second verse doesn't make sense. Like, have you heard the audio that says, "Do you really want to know where I was November sixth? I mean, January sixth. January sixth. <laughs> There's many different ways to kill a congressman." <laughs> I did not think that that's what her team had in mind when they said, let's make TikTok worthy trending songs. Like the fact that we created trends out of these songs that are completely opposite of all the trends that they tried to make, like the anti-hero challenge. No one is doing that. We're all like making stupid. Yeah. Well, more importantly, no one's doing it on YouTube shorts. Exactly. Well, that's the other part of it. That, like, it's so crazy because people are doing the anti-hero challenge a lot on TikTok. Like, yeah. so many people. There's so many things. It's like, there's the masterminds thing everyone's doing. Um, there's question. Course- everyone being, like, acting like it's, like, also a cheating song. And, like, Taylor, like, questioning, like, there's also, there's also, um, which one was it? The Bejeweled Challenge. Yes, Bejeweled. Yes, I like that one. It's funny. Yep. Me too. Um, um, but yeah, I really like this one a lot. Um, the, oh, do you really want to know where I was January 6th? There's many different ways to kill a congressman. <laughs> How do you feel about this song in general? So... I kind of I really like this song like listening okay. to it because um, I think of it as you know I think of it as addressed to Gaylers which is why okay. I like listening to it because it makes me feel like I'm in the right and she is in the wrong um, <laughs> it like it almost it feels like her admitting like yeah like I I lied and I was dancing around the truth and like Gaylers are the ones taking the the fall for it and the only reason that i realized that was because of the lyric video and the entire lyric video like all of the other ones have like different shots of different things like even the great war is like a flag but the the sunset and like overhead shot like different Mm -hmm. but this one is just a shot of the midnight's record playing and spinning so weird and to me that's like obviously 
like in the song she says put on your records and regret me and it's like who's putting on the midnight's record if not fans mm-hmm. oh, so, i love that and then like lock broken slur spoken i feel like that could be about you know like her diary the lover diaries being published and mm-hmm. the way that that confused a lot of gaylers and like the timeline of things and just like the way a lot of it was probably fabricated for the brands to kind of look like this vulnerable thing that she was sharing, but it was just another ploy for the album release. And slur spoken obviously could be a reference to Scooter Braun's wife calling her a dyke and that whole fucking blind item like drama that mm-hmm. happened around the same time. Mm-hmm. Also could be about um, wound open game token. I think that could be about her being accused of queer baiting and like oh completely her wound being open and then everyone saying that she was freeloading and being like you're just queer baiting yeah you're you're riding on the backs of queer people and then we've talked about before storms being like a reference to media storms or like a metaphor Mm. for that so when i hear rain soaking blind hoping it's like the media storm came, I was soaked in rain, and I was so blind for, like, hoping that people would see me and understand that for what I meant. I didn't know that they were keeping count. I didn't know that they were trying to target me as anything. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't know you were keeping count of all the bad things that I've done and ways to cancel me and, like, call me a queer baiter, you know? Yeah, for sure. I didn't even know this was something people were looking for in me. Like, And then, of course, put on your records and regret me. I bent the truth too far tonight. I was dancing around it. Put on your headphones and burn my city. Yeah, no, those are so gayler coded. Especially, like, I bent the truth too far tonight. It's like... I was too cowardly like I didn't actually speak the truth and like you all were expecting me to like finally affirm what you know you've been saying but I bent it too far and instead things blew up. I think this first part high infidelity Mm -hmm. put on your records regret me bent the truth too far tonight dancing around it that's to Gaylers. the second part is to hetlers put on (gasps) your headphones burn my city burn my lover city burn my gay paris oh my your picket fence your picket fence your suburban like 1950s shit the picket fence from the you need to calm down music video keeping her like in this space closeted your picket fence is sharp as knives i was dancing around it like I was oh, dancing I around that. this picket fence. That's why I bent the truth, and now both of, both sides of my fandom hate me, <laughs> like for different okay. reasons. Like, wait, this makes so much sense as going back and forth between Gaylers and yeah. like regular Swifties, because then the, the refrain, the first one is to the Gaylers. first one. You is really want to know where I was April twenty ninth, and then the second one. Do I really have to chart the constellations in his eyes? Like, so sarcastic. Yeah, she's like, seriously, the stars in his eyes were just cowboys. <laughs> eyes full of stars. Like, we're, he's a cowboy like me. Do I really have to tell you the rest? Like, yeah. I just told you. Like, And then the second verse, storm coming, good husband, bad omen. 
dragged my feet down the aisle. I have no idea what that means. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, oh, but it looks like someone put an annotation that is unreviewed that says probably refers to Taylor being forced to fake date, maintain <gasps> PR relationships, and even being pushed to pursue marriages with people she was not interested in. Oh my god, shout out to that amazing genius contributor yeah. who uh, is probably will be deleted soon, even though it's fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, at the house lonely, good money. I'd pay if you just know me. Seemed like the right thing at the time. Like, the whole you need to calm down lover era, me being an ally, like, that seemed like the right thing. I thought I was doing a good thing. I thought that me getting like a good husband and dragging my feet down the aisle would you know help with all of this but now all I have is like the good money that came from that but now I wish I could just pay you to fucking know me like I wish I never would have taken the money oh my god oh it's so good and then I think this is also about Hetlers and Gaylers alike there's many different ways that you can kill the one you love. The slowest way is never loving them enough. Like to Hitler's being like, like the quickest way to kill me, like this person you idolize, quite literally kill me. Like so many queer artists have killed themselves mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. died from yes. the hate and like pressure. Mm-hmm. The quickest way to kill me is not loving me, like loving me enough who mm-hmm. I am. You love the idea. You love the good husband. Wow. You love the, you know? Yeah. Uh, wow, this is so good. And, my, and the best line, I think, really is, oh, your picket fence is sharp as knives. Like, just so good. Yeah, and it's so, oh, it's so obviously, like, about Hitler's, like. Yes! This annotation says, a picket fence is typically imagery associated with white, middle-class, American family, nuclear family of the 1950s. Oh, so good. And I also love about this song, one of my favorite parts about this song is the fact that she repeats the intro in the outro. I don't mm. know why, I love when she does that, too, because that always symbolizes to me that it's a cycle. Yes, and that she's, like, really emphasizing it. Yes, because, you know, Cornelia Street does that. And Mm -hmm. I always think that's, like, absolutely so heartbreaking because it goes to show that, like, this... It doesn't end. It doesn't end. That Um, feeling is not just, like, a song. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And it, it didn't have a conclusion. Like, it's still going on. Um, and just her ending it with, but oh, you were keeping count. Oh, it's so, it's really crazy. It's, like, really wild. Like, I can't even read this song being about anything else. I love that. And, and now I won't be able to either. Because I already was kind of like, this definitely isn't about cheating. Like, yeah, no, I think that you really nailed it for sure. And something about hearing her say, good money I'd pay if you just know me, is oh, so yeah. satisfying because I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you would pay good money for everyone to actually know you. And it's so sad that with all the money in the world, like, I still have a reason to feel bad for you because you can't 
Like, even all the money in the world can't buy that. Wow. And that's her facing that reality. And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh. It's just something we talk about so much here, too, is that's like, don't feel bad for rich people, but like, also, I feel really bad for Taylor Swift sometimes, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Rich people have their own weird struggles. (laughs) I know. Okay. I need to know your thoughts on Glitch, too. Because this is considered, oh my god, the immediate, like, gay, like, lesbian latching onto this song has been quite something to see. The strapification of glitch. Strapification of glitch, exactly. Lizzie does think that this is far and away the, like, sexiest song on the album. Absolutely. People are calling it her horniest song ever. Um... And yeah, I'm like really excited to hear what you think this song is all about because so sometimes things occur and I feel so like my identity feels shattered. You know, like I've sp- mm-hmm. spoken before about like femme, uh, like a er- like erasure really invalidates me and will like send me on a spiral because like you know being a femme lesbian is like my core it's own like yeah yeah and it's like, also its own like unique struggle like its oh, own right. Right. yeah uh so i've talked like we've talked about that before um and then also the idea that if you're a lesbian like evermore is your album and <laughs> i like folklore more than evermore like that really oh, sends yeah. me off in a spiral too um, especially because people always tease me about it because they know I feel this way. And if there's one thing that I can't handle, it's being teased. Don't good, poke at good Katie's good. wounds. Thank you. I'm very sensitive. Because <laughs> this song, like, feels, it, like, really puts me on edge, like, in a very anxiety-inducing way. And I, like, do not see the sexiness in the song. When I tell you, this song gives me wild, wild thoughts. Like, truly, (laughs) I, this song, I, you know that I'm not, like, much of a dress lover. Like, dress is, like, sexy in the same kind of way, and I'm not, like, into dress the way that I'm into this song. Okay. It's the dress sequel, Grown Up. Wow. It's, like, I'm also, like, like in a lavender haze right now so i think that this song is just like it's my top song from the album because it's just like giving me everything i need i just learned how to play it on the piano earlier today because i'm like eating it up um it's wow that's (laughs) really amazing i don't even know like it's so like fun and it's really just like my life right now i think so that's why I love it so much. But the part that like makes it feel really, really gay and sexy, first of all, the line, we were supposed to be just friends. Right. Yes. Yes. Of course, Casey pointed this one out. He was like, mm. this is the gayest line in the song. I was shocked that he said this, but it made sense afterwards. Mm. You don't live in my part of town. He was like, that's gay. He was like, no gay person gets with another gay person that lives down the street from them. It's always like an hour and a half drive or like long distance (laughs) or like 
some drama distance like so hard to get to each other like historically queer relationships have been like that like that's a very funny i also love that like casey's immediate instinct was that she's literally talking about a town yeah of course he's not thinking like he's not like yeah taylor in her in her new york city apartment in the center of literally any part of the city (laughs) but he's like that's gay like not living in the same part of town as your lover a straight person would just like grab the nearest like opposite genitals to them and just be like you know like yeah for sure yeah um and then this line is just like very personal to me depending on what kind of mood and situationship i'm in like i literally depending on the day i want nothing to do with anyone but then some days i'm like please someone give me attention whatever anyways um also and what's in my system is her first like i think outward drug reference yeah so true yeah i mean alcohol yeah, no, definitely not. Like, that's not what you... She would have just said alcohol, like she usually does. Like Exactly. But no, I think Lavender Haze, obviously, being named after, like, a weed strain. And then, um, like, uh, some guy said my aura is Moonstone just because he was high. And now, finally, this. And um, you were on something in question. With some dickhead yes. guy oh that you saw yes. that night, but you were on something. Um, yeah, she was on Molly that night. That's the answer, by the way. Um, I know <laughs> what a Molly bitch looks like on Molly, and that bitch was on Molly December. What is it? December sixth. She was on Molly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very anyway. lovey, very lovey dovey. Yes. yes. Um, it it also reminds me of the song Dominoes by Lord, which like a lot of Gaylers oh. have kind of talked about like maybe being about taylor because in that song lord is like i heard you're planting flowers with your new girlfriend it must feel good being mr start again oh wow! and then and then she also says um i heard that you're smoking marijuana which is strange because you used to do the most cocaine out of everyone i've ever met oh my god Oh my god, yes, of course I know this song. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes me think about that song and like, what is in your system, Taylor? What are you up to? Like Wow. That's crazy. Um, okay. And again, this part, I'm gonna say something kind of like nasty, but oh like god. it's a hot song. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Blood moonlit. Oh, I know. I know. Like it makes I me know. Sweat. Like <laughs> I genuinely are you kidding? Like I no, know, I know. Whatever is a blood moon, like whatever night she met stupid with someone, she met someone on a blood moon, there's blood moon like coming up or something. Like whatever. I know it's like blood moon is a thing, but also like blood moon lit nights. I know. And you're know. not even sorry? Like, what are you? <laughs> I know. I can't picture anything but like real blood. <laughs> like, I, I mean, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also just, it's every line. I love the line. I was supposed to sweat you out. Like that's so gay being like, no, like this wasn't supposed to be like a whole thing. Like I was, I was just, mm-hmm. it was just a little crush. Like I'm getting over it. It's fine. Well, I was also, supposed to sweat you out. <laughs> um, don't blame me. My drug is my baby. Yeah. Withdraws. And then also, um, it's like a drug that only worked the first few hundred times. It's like 
she really was drawing this line of like being addicted to her love in that way. And it's like in this realization, she's like, I was supposed to sweat you out. It was supposed to be like a drug. Like, but it's like, just supposed to be a quick fix. She's like, no, it's actually not like that. It hits now it's different. a blackout. Like yeah. it was supposed to be just a hit. It was supposed to, I was supposed to sweat you out. The withdrawals were supposed to just come and I was supposed to leave it behind, mm-hmm. whatever. But literally mm-hmm. it's a love blackout. Like mm-hmm. I used you until I couldn't even remember what was going on. Woo. Okay. Wait, what about the 2000 days since our love blackout? Hmm. It's yeah, been 2,190 she- days. I think that she's referencing um, her angel boyfriend, Joe. Okay. And I think that's genuine. Like, I think she's saying it's been this long since our love blackout because our love is blacked out to everyone else. Like, no one can see it. Yes. Right. Exactly. And it's because of Joe. Yes. You know, like, yeah, I was supposed to sweat you out while I was searching for a beard, basically, is what she's saying, in search of Mm -hmm. glorious happenings of happenstance. Like, you know damn well she's kidding. She's being, like, satirical. No, for sure. It was fate. She literally says in Mastermind. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she's like, I laid all of the – I'm an architect. Like, I drew up the plans. And in search of me drawing up these plans, I was supposed to just get over you. But now – the plans have set full in motion and it's a love blackout and we have this whole thing happening in the meantime. Wow. Wow. Um, and then the bridge, a brief interruption, a slight malfunction. I'd go back to wanting dudes who give nothing. Oh, wow. It's like... It reminds me of um, – I guess it is Stay, Stay, Stay. I thought there was another one, though, where she talks about, like, dudes not giving anything or, like – But oh, when, in Stay, 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 she does say, I only dated self-indulgent takers who took all their problems out on me. Yes, yes. There's a time in Midnights, too. Um, there's a couple times. I mean, like, this is like I the mean, she just hates men. Switching out Kens. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Switching out Kens. And then in Bejeweled. Um, I don't know. It's just, there's like a few other parts. Yeah. Uh, and th- this bridge completely, completely contradicts Mastermind in the sense that she's saying, I thought we had no chance. And that's romance let's dance like not what i'm talking about in mastermind where i laid the groundwork and like i made all this happen i'm an architect like i had this whole plan in mind this whole time and then this is her realizing like oh glitch happened actually the things out of your control and like naturally just falling in love that's romance like when you don't expect it wow hmm and I love that she says it must be counterfeit, too, because it's, like, she could be talking about Joe. She could be talking about, like, 
the way their relationship is perceived to the public being counterfeit. Like so many. Or she could be talking about a strap. Or she could be talking about a strap. She could be talking about the cold, hard plastic proof that she gave to Scooter Braun's wife. Oh my god! Oh my god! (laughs) She needed cold, hard proof, so I gave her some. Yeah. Wow. The strapification of glitch. I mean, it doesn't help that she wore those leather pants with Heim and was like strapping herself in. No, I like, know she was exactly. Dragging glitch, clearly. Yeah, clearly. Uh, and the fact that she says, I'm fastening myself to you with the stitch, like instead of invisible string, where it's like, no, it's this active. It's sewing. Yeah, this string ties you to me. Like there's an invisible string tying you to me. But this person, she's fascinating to her like she's like you're not going any you are by my side yeah and with a stitch like lizzie's immediate interpretation of that is like a model um getting fitted into her clothes like just being like stitched up yeah for for all the Katy perry and taylor swift (laughs) shippers when she um embroidered Katy perry and orlando bloom's baby the little blanket (laughs) my god amazing Amazing. With a stitch. With a stitch. Oh, I just love it so much. Oh my god, I fucking love this song. Like the fact that she's just like, yeah, five seconds later. <laughs> like it didn't. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm in my glitch it. era. Ah, uh, I love that. I really love that. You really changed my life on that song, so thank you. And, you know, I get it. I really do get why at first it wasn't, like, a banger. Like, to me, it really wasn't either. But the more I looked into it and, like, really read the lyrics, I was like. (laughs) I'm so grateful that you did that for me. I can't wait to update Lizzie. Yeah? Yeah. Does it, do you like it better? I I like it a lot better. Wow. That's good. No, I'm really grateful for that. You really opened my mind. And, like, made things fit into place, definitely. I'm a mastermind. I feel like I got to experience what our listeners tell us all the time about how, like, your interpretations of things just, like, really, like, make things click into place. And, uh, yeah, I'm really grateful that you got to do that with me for this song. Because it has been, as I said, painful to feel so disconnected from my fellow lesbians. Oh, Lord knows you've done it for me for so many. New oh. romantics, mm. peace, you've given me so many perspectives on. Um, there was one from Fearless that we I still haven't completely processed that blew my mind. Fuck, which one was it? I don't know. Mm. Other side so of the door. Was it that one? No, no, it was another <laughs> one that like didn't make sense, and it was like about mm. you were like, what if it's her bestie fighting with her her <gasps> boyfriend? Yes, which one that was song. that? Yes, um, oh my god, fearless. I think what is that song? Oh, I can't remember which one it was. It, it, oh, it, it rains when you're here. It rains when you're gone. Yes, uh, forever and always. Forever and always. Forever and always. The Joe Jonas song, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Let's move on to would have, could have, should have. 
I fucking love the song. It is so good. The guitar at the beginning, the way that it opens, really, really sends me to like Bon Iver territory. And like, I wish, I just, I would love to hear like a Bon Iver remix of this song. I really, really Ooh, would. Or like yeah. just a version, like a Bon Iver version, like if they worked on it a little together. Because, um, you know, Aaron brings that so much, of course, with this being the other song that he worked on with her. Um, you can tell this was definitely a long pond song. Yes, exactly. And but I just I wish there was like more of that. But the it's just so sweet what we do get from it. It also sounds so much like um, King Princess's recent album, which Aaron did. Oh, yes. The album for my friends, which or I think that's what it's called. Um, unless, no, I think just one song is called For My Friends. I don't know, whatever. Um, but it has that same, like, guitar sound. Like, right. I it, I feel like a very, this song very well could have been made kind of at the same time as King Princess being at Long Pond oh. with Aaron. Wow. And Aaron had posted saying, like, King Princess blew out my speakers at Long Pond because oh, we God. were too loud. Like, that's so funny. This song also has a similar sound to Speak Now to me. And it kind of makes me yes. feel like we're transitioning into Speak Now, Taylor's version. Like Absolutely. How she likes to end the album with like a little vibe. Well, and it makes so much sense that this is Speak Now coded because 19. it's you know, really when she's 19. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which really leads me into the fact that this song, I really see it as including what she was going through at 19 to be a huge part of her regrets but it definitely is not about her at 19 the way that the song goes like really says to me that it's about a lot of things that happened before she was 19 that like then that led, led to her dancing that with the led devil. to her dancing of the devil at 19 because like and i damn sure wouldn't have it's like and because of like if i had never met you and this wouldn't have happened i wouldn't have danced with the devil at 19 which says mm-hmm. to me that there's distance in between the beginning of this and like the core and when she was 19 it just so happens that like dancing with the devil at 19 was like an awful situation Hmm. yeah yeah you're right i don't feel like it's about her being 19 that's just one of the factors that led to to the regret of it all yeah exactly and this feels scott bruschetta coded mm-hmm. and also scott swift coded oh yes yes and the reason i say that is because like my brother and sister-in-law just sent me a video the other day of my niece she's like a year and a half old and it was just her painting pumpkins and they like put out like you know like a tarp and like let her just go crazy with the paint and like this one-year-old was just throwing paint everywhere like not even painting the pumpkin but she was having so much fucking fun making a mess and i told them i was like i'm so happy that you let her make messes because that's like traumatizing for kids to like not be able to like do that and like for it to be taken as like such a big deal so that's what i think about in the first verse when she says if i was some paint did i splatter on a promising grown man and if i was a child did it matter if you got to wash your hands like 
all the times that I was yelled at for making a mess, like, and all we had to do was, like, wash up afterwards. Like, it was never that fucking deep. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and also the fact that she uses paint so much as, like, a cover-up, like, painting my blue skies gray or painting my walls blue. Yes, exactly. Um, and paint obviously being colors, too. It's, like, if if mm. my gayness was, like, making such a mess in your life, did it really matter if down the line – I was going to be on my own anyways. And you were going to wash your hands and not care anyways. Wow. You know? Yes. Absolutely I do. That's I mean that's the thing. Like this that's exactly how I hear this song too. To me it's like not even a matter of like interpreting it that way. It's like that's just what I hear when I'm hearing this song. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I think the first part about, like, if you would have blinked, if you tasted poison, whatever, you could have spit me out. I think that's about Scott, Bruschetta. Yep. And then the second half of, and if I was some paint, did it splatter? Like, I think that could be about Scott Swift also. I mean, I use my best colors for your portrait. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I forgot about that line. Yeah. All I used to do was pray. And I feel like that's her being, like, thanks to... My dad, all I used to do was pray, would have, could have, should have, if you, Scott Bruschetta, wouldn't have looked my way. And also, I mean, like, a huge part of it for me is just, like, when she was little, what was she praying for? She was Mm -hmm. praying to be famous. She was praying to be, a like, a world-famous musician. That is what she was praying for. And it's, like, there's so much pain in that aspect of it as well like the fact that she prayed for this and she like got what she asked for and it was uh, and like she regrets it so much and she's like i would have rather just stayed on my knees praying for this exactly with nothing coming of it that would have been easier than yeah and then her saying the God's honest truth is the pain was heaven. Like the pain that I've endured was heaven because I got what I wanted. Like at the end, like yeah. it is very satisfying and it is my entire life force <laughs> to she get approval. She doesn't know anything else. Yeah, exactly. And she has had like extremely, like she's had extreme highs and like her life has felt like heaven. Mm-hmm. So it's like all this pain that I regret, like I, it still felt like I still, it was still heaven. It's fascinating too that she's like, now that I'm grown, I'm scared of ghosts. Like I didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't scared of gro- ghosts as a kid, yes. but now I am because I know they're real. Mm. You know, like she's yeah. like, I pace like a ghost. I know what it feels like to be a ghost. I'm scared yeah. of them. Yeah. Because all ghosts are our memories. Like all ghosts are is leftover energy lingering around. Yeah. Like that's why the memories feel like weapons because all the leftover energy was of her like wanting this so badly. Yeah. And just like the like PTSD that comes from like being like traumatized as a child Mm -hmm. and like the the pain of trauma like like those feel like weapons 
as much as like memories are supposed to be happy, especially like from your childhood, it's like, no, if you were traumatized as a child, memories are not happy. <laughs> no, memories are weapons. I I feel like when my like mental illness is unchecked, like literally the most painful things in the world are memories. Yeah. Like really like that is can be the most like absolutely debilitating thing it's like not anxiety for the future it's like because i'm being forced to like go back into the past and and relive relive. those things yeah Mm -hmm. so so cancerian too like cancers have so much trouble with like nostalgia being painful like that yeah and like using it as a weapon against ourselves like genuinely like as like self-harm like cancers love to go through memories just to like hurt themselves you know yes yes cancer placements and yeah Um, and now that i know i wish you'd left me wondering like again like now that my prayers of becoming world famous of being like the next big like star like now that i know i really wish that you'd left me on my knees just praying for it Mm -hmm. (sighs) and i know a lot of people attribute this song to john mayer and i i understand why and i do think that could be an aspect of it but the reason i think it is is because like you said it's not about dancing with the devil at 19 but that was just one factor of it so it's like I would I would have stayed on my knees. I would have never danced with like a 30 something year old man at 19. Like if none of this ever happened, I would have never I would, have, would have never in my life. I mean, I'm sure that like that's the thing. It's like this song is absolutely about grooming, not just in like the way that she was exploited for her labor as a child. Um which again we go into a lot in the prologues episode but it's also like dancing with the devil at 19 it's like i'm sure that that's about like a relationship that she had um like whether it was with john mayer or someone else or like anything like a contract right exactly exactly like any sort of that any like thing that it could be about it's like she thinks back on it and is like, I would have never have been in the situation to dance with the devil if it hadn't been for me becoming mm-hmm. famous and all of my prayers to be famous being answered. It's like calling back to Dear John of like, don't you think 19 is too young to be messed with? It's like, yes. yes, it is too young to be messed with. But the reason that I was put in this situation in the first place is because of my my fame and like wanting it so bad and people taking advantage of that yes and then if you never touched me i would have gone along with the righteous reminds me of you're on your own kid when she's like Mm. you know my town was full of like i don't even know what she says pageant queens i don't know i don't know if that's even what she says but like miss americon and the heartbreak prince type of vibe it's like if you never touched me, I would have just gone on with, like, everyone else that peaked in high school and <laughs> were, quote-unquote, righteous and did the right thing and and did God's whatever, the good thing. If I never blushed, then they could have never whispered about this. Yeah. I don't know. 
I know. Maybe, I mean, maybe at this point it transitions into like other regrets about other people. I, like, I think it's like yeah. she, she could be like she could be giving a recap of all of her would have, could have, should have. Yeah, because the pre-chorus for the first part is all I used to do was pray. But then after this verse, she says, you're a crisis of my faith. Yes, exactly. So things are progressing. So the Um, second verse is about someone, specifically someone else. Exactly. Or or like a few different people, you know, in the same way that the first one's about like Scott Bruschetta and Scott... um, the two scots as i say um yeah it's and fascinating it, that she says like lord and god in this so much after just reading the Hayes code when the first one on the absolutely do not list is like do not use god or lord or like um <laughs> like any... the lord's name in vain yeah yes and this whole wow. song is just her being like yeah I know there's so much religious trauma metaphors in it. It's like crazy. Like it really is so rooted in in that like religious imagery and this idea of like losing one's faith and what that could mean. I don't mm-hmm. I don't even necessarily think that it is about re- losing religion per se. It's like losing what you thought was most important. Uh, losing your like concept of the world and your like values like a shake of that kind of faith like what we were just talking about bigger than the whole sky like yes is like what you believe in like your your hope in the world and like your faith like what you hold on to absolutely like you're a crisis you're a crisis of my belief in the world and like Um, the bridge is the, like, worst thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's killer. It's killer. Um, God rest my soul again. Mm -hmm. I miss who I used to be. I wonder what she's referencing in that. Maybe before 19, when she was a teenager and fame was still fun and, and exciting. I don't see this is what solidifies for me that this song is about going all the way back to like who she was at like seven. Oh, before, before, yeah. Before, before. Because like, because the song is talking about events before Dancing with the Devil at 19, it's yeah. like, who did she used to be? She used to be like naive. She used to not know. She used to have been wondering. Like, I think this is talking about pre-fame, Taylor. Yeah, like if I was some paint, like literally like a kid. Yes. Like if I was just painting a picture. Was it really? Mm. And then her saying the tomb won't close, stained glass windows in my mind. The tomb won't close when she is in a coffin in the anti-hero music video. Yes. As well as, which song does she say? Screaming from the Crypt, Great War, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is also like a underground um, tomb, I guess. Right. Grave, Yeah yeah resting site mm-hmm. and again she also said spineless in my tomb of silence 
Yes, exactly. So interesting that she's saying here the tomb won't close. Like she's like tomb won't close. Tomb of silence. And it won't- she might be silent in her tomb of silence, but it's not forever because it's not closing. Wow. Yeah. Stained glass windows in my mind. Is that like um I know a lot of people are saying it's like a religious reference to like Catholic churches. You know, sorry to go back. Yeah, I mean, stained glass is like stained glass windows are really associated with like tombs, especially like large family, um, like plots uh, that have mm-hmm. like um, walk-in. Um, what are they like called? Memorials. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm forgetting where I think it's with an S, but anyways, um, like. Stained glass makes a lot of sense with that sort of imagery. Another thing I'm thinking about the tomb won't close is this idea of, you know, like the old tailor is dead. Mm. And it's like, she's like, I'm trying so hard to kill that version of myself so I can be reborn. I'm trying so hard to be reborn and like, just let myself not have all these regrets. Yeah. Regrets are, regrets are so painful. Like, Anyone that's self-aware and is trying to grow, knows, I think, knows that, like, you cannot do that with active regrets. Like, you have to make peace. You have to, like, be looking forward. I think You have to forgive. Good. Like, you have to forgive your yes. old self. That's really what it is. Exactly. You have to forgive your old self and know that, like, you made the choices that you did because you believed they were right at the time. Like, you have to give yourself a break. And it's like, by saying the tomb won't close, she's like, I can't make peace with this yet. Like, my old self is still fighting, fighting, fighting. Mm-hmm. And I, like, cannot do it anymore. She's She's not quite at the like point where she's like i'm never gonna meet what could have been what should have been it's not gonna happen like i have to let that go like exactly and i do think she's talking about like herself and her public image when she says i regret you all the time yeah i fight with you in my sleep yeah like and she says i regret you all the time twice like being like i regret you like the version that i made yeah. Yes. I think her saying it twice too could be her saying it once to Scott Bruchetta and once to Scott Swift. But. Totally. I agree. I mean, that's the thing. It's like all wrapped up in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like every then, time she says, I regret you all the time, she could be saying it to a different person. Yeah. Um... If clarity's in death, then why won't this die? Yeah. Oh. Which I don't I, – I mean, is she saying there, like, I have clarity, but mm-hmm. why won't this die then? Like, do you have clarity or do you not? I, yeah, I think she's really asking herself that. Like, I feel like I know everything clearly, so – like what could I possibly learn more than what I've already learned like Mm -hmm. why won't I I, if I've if I'm here if I've arrived where I am why am I not traumatized anymore like why does it hurt so bad 
Mm-hmm. Oh, years of tearing down our banners, you and I. Ugh, I know. Years of tearing down our banners, like our pride flags. Yeah, or our photo shoots, or, you know, our like, or even, yeah, yeah, her eras, like, her eras, exactly. Um, yeah, like the the concert posters and like the 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 sales, the song sales, and her also taking responsibility for Tarrant being a part of that. Like she's like, I yeah. also tore my banners down with you. And I think that's like living for the thrill of hitting you where it hurts. Like that to me is all about like the re-records, like mm-hmm. you know, making deals with like iHeartRadio to like no longer play those songs, like the Spotify deals that get people back, like anywhere that you she can hit them with mm-hmm. profit loss, like she's living. That's where it hurts thrill. them. That's yeah. where it hurts them. So like living for being a capitalist queen because she's like this is how i reclaim it right but like no that's no i think that she's finding that her like the way that she has made everything about like screwing them out of making money off of her name has turned her into a much harder version of herself than she would ever ever want than she does want and it's like, I know this is where it's hurting them most, but my whole life is about how to get profit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think that she's waiting to officially come out or be publicly with a woman until after her re-records so that she can squeeze every last yep. drop out of, like, these horrible men that took advantage of her. And I, like, a lot, like, I don't judge that as, like, because I don't, you know, I'm also of the opinion that it's okay if she never ever comes out yeah. like really um but she's come in exactly she's come in if the closet is a walk-in closet we can all just walk in with her <laughs> mm. um no 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 <laughs> It reminded me, the reason I did that is because it reminded me of the video of Chriselle from Selling Sunset when she's in her walk-in oh God, closet yes! and it's being renovated. That's all I could think about. <laughs> so I-, I love that. Um, <sighs> but yeah, and then, so it's like, I've been living for the thrill of hitting you where it hurts. And as a result, like, I don't want to think about money anymore. Give me back my girlhood. She's like, I thought that by doing all of this, I was reclaiming my girlhood because these albums represent my girlhood. But they're not reclaiming my girlhood. (laughs) I'm just getting the money for it. So just give it back to me. It was mine first. Uh, That's the best line in the whole album, I think. Best line on the... Probably one of her best lines ever. Ever. I completely agree. Not to mention the fact that that really incredible, incredible essay that was published about um folklore that was like yes it was titled something like queer girlhood or like the way that that album embodies it like her being like give it back to me like they even see it but i like (sighs) and again ends that ends the song with the 
repeating like god rest my soul god rest my soul yeah the tomb won't close like it's literally the most insane imagery it's like a funeral it's my tears ricochet like part one (laughs) Mm -hmm. uses morbid and religious overtones in order to express regret yeah wow it's so genius like it's it's one of her just most genius genius songs i feel like listening to this is how i think um all too well stands feel listening to all too well mm-hmm. agreed because you know i only the love heartbreak. the all too well 10 minute version because of like the last four minutes of it yeah um like that's really when i feel seen by that song but, like, this song, to me, is everything that everyone else describes. Like, straight Swifties describe with All Too Well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's fascinating that she doesn't say would have, could have, should have, really. Like, she only says it, like, twice. Yeah, in the pre-chorus. And I think the reason is because she can't do anything about, like, it's not that she could have done anything. There was nothing she could have done. Yeah. And there's also nothing that she should have done. Yes. Like she couldn't do either of those things because she was a kid. Like it's not like I could have done this. Like, no, you were a kid. I should have done this. No, you were a kid. I yeah. would have done this. Like if I would have known. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Well, and she says it so like um flippantly that it really like again falls in line with this idea that she is trying so hard to stop feeling this way Mm -hmm. it's like she's making fun of herself for all of these would have could have should have yeah yeah like would have could have should have blah 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 yeah i mean that is what that phrase is too it's just like when someone's like oh i should have da 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 and someone responds with, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Like, yeah, yeah. You couldn't have done anything. <laughs> like, yeah. It's over now. I know. Which brings us, speaking of it's over now, it brings us to the final song. Yeah. The final song called Dear the Archers. I mean, <clears throat> Dear <laughs> dear Reader. Sorry. I had a tickle in my throat it's a little, a little tickle in your throat <laughs> i didn't even mean to to say that um uh another interesting hairpin drop that i wanted to mention but i think it almost needs like its own explanation mm-hmm. not even in a hairpin drop moment like it's i saw a tiktok of someone i will link it in the description because uh-huh. i'm pretty sure i saved it um but in the dear reader music video or lyric video you know how it's like the sheets of paper oh, yeah. and it very much is reminiscent of like a hundred thrown out speeches. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone realized that the sheets of paper showing the lyrics in each different like cut, there's like colors on some of them. And then some of them are just a wood desk. Like Ooh. in some of them, it's a sheet of paper on wood. And then in other ones, it's a sheet of paper on a color. And if you put all the colored shots um like in a row it's a rainbow like it's oh it goes from a red desk to an orange desk to oh yellow, and it goes through the whole rainbow and the lines that she uses for the wooden desk versus the colored desks yes. 
are very specifically Dear Hitler, Dear Gaitlers. No. Yeah. Oh my god, that's insane. Like, I kind of, I'm going to pull up the lyric video and we can, like, scroll through it. We don't have to. Okay, I love that. No, I think that's perfect. But I am interested to just look at this with you, like, live because. Yeah. Um, it's just like, if that, if we go based off of like who she's talking to, it makes so much more sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it already makes sense when you listen to it. Like, so it starts out with a wooden desk, of course. Oh, oh. And then it's like showing all the different Dear colored reader, desks. The first like line, Dear reader, if it feels like a trap, you're already in one. That's a wooden desk. So think to Hetlers. This is a trap. The like second and third lines are like, dear reader, mm-hmm. whatever. Those are also Hitler coded. Mm-hmm. Like, pick somewhere on your map and just run. But then the next line has a green background. And that's the one that says, burn all the files, desert all your past lives. Wow. Which is gay. Yes. Queer people are the ones that have to desert all their past lives. Yes, yes. I'm literally going to put it in fast speed so that we can just... Oh, that's so smart. Okay, cool. See what happens. Um, So there's like a whole montage at the beginning of all the different colors and the wooden desks so that you can point out the wooden desk is obviously different from the backgrounds with colors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you feel like a trap it's already in one is to Hetler's. Pick somewhere on the map and just run as to us. Burn all the files. Desert all your past lives as to us. Mm-hmm. If you don't recognize yourself, that means you did it right as to us. Never take advice from someone who's falling apart as to us. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, bend when you can. Snap when you have to. That's obviously to us. Legally bend and snap. Um, again, to us. You don't have to answer just because they asked you. The greatest of luxuries is your secrets. That's, of course, Gaylor line. When you aim at the devil, make sure you don't miss is to Hetlers. Oh, my God. Okay. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, that is the narrative. Yeah, exactly. That's why this yeah. is just, just like solidifies what I already hear. Yes, exactly. When you aim at the devil, make sure you don't miss. And if you... Feel like you're in a trap. You're already in one. That's all she said to yes Hitler so far. Yes, of course. Never take advice from someone who's falling apart. And of course, the entire verse about a fourth drink in my hand. Desperate prayers of a verse cursed, cursed man. Desperate prayers of a cursed man. Of a cursed man. The man's perspective. That's her cursed man. It's Thaler evidence. It's. Gaylor evidence it's Mm -hmm. it's all of these things because it just goes to show that Mm. she has such a complicated relationship with gender roles which is gay and also gender non-conforming can i okay can i tell you how the non the non thaler interpretation that i had her hearing this lyric Mm -hmm. okay I saw it as the desperate prayers of a cursed man being like the the desires that like her father 
wants for her. Like his own prayers. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So his own like kind of prayers for her to like be living the straight life. And so she's like, I'm writing out these like completely deranged like prayers and like everything that like my, you know, like these people in my life want me to be these cursed men, mm-hmm. the cursed men in my life want me to be. And she's kind of like, why am I doing that? Like, mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. Um, But I get like so warm and fuzzy thinking about her calling herself a cursed man like i love 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 that so i feel very good about both interpretations my first interpretation was it being her dad and then when i read it read the words all together it's like fourth drink in my hand exactly yeah when she's stated i'm the man yeah these desperate prayers of a cursed man spilling out to you for free. Yeah. Oh. I know. And then, but darling, darling, please, you wouldn't take your word for it if you knew who was talking. Still addressed to us. If you knew where I was walking, to a house, not a home, all alone, because nobody's there. Still talking to us, of course, talking about pacing in her pen mm-hmm. with no friends. Playing solitaire is all still to us. Mm-hmm. You should find another guiding light is all still a colored background. Um, and then it switches back to the wooden background for like one second just to say you should find another. Oh, my God. Which is kind of exciting. You should find another being to them because it's like I'm not going to be able to live your straight girl fantasy for much longer. Like, she's telling us, you should find another, because I'm, like, this cursed, closeted person, but I shine mm-hmm. so bright. It's so obvious that I'm closeted mm-hmm. and so obvious that I'm queer. I shine so bright to you, queer people. But then to them, she's just, like, you should find another, period. Like, yes! You <laughs> exactly! <laughs> uh, and, Katie, I really want to end this episode by mm. stating the insane insane revelation Mm -hmm. that one of you wonderful wonderful listeners tweeted us Mm -hmm. that the beginning like 17 18 seconds of dear reader Mm -hmm. is basically an interpolation of our season two theme song which is also 17 to 18 seconds long Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of a lot a few people have said that they literally think the archers is starting when Dear Reader comes on. And honestly, now that I hear it, I can't unhear it. I can't unhear it either. It kind of gives me goosebumps now. Yeah. You can yeah. hear it throughout the whole song. The little piano is yeah. even like there's a part where the notes sound like the archer. Like it's like uh-huh. it's uh-huh. the same like. Like it's the same yeah. notes. And that is like. It's unreal. I literally, I don't know if I'm able to because of copyright. Do you think if I played at the end of this episode, like the overlay of the two that I made? Yeah, you should. Tr- you should try. I doubt it would be copyright because it's both songs playing over top exactly. of each other, so they can't catch it. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. At the end of this episode, in just a few, in just like a minute, you are going to hear the overlay of Dear Reader and our like intro song played over each other. Yes. 
Oh, amazing. So that you guys can understand. And I tried to ignore that tweet like the first few hours after I saw it, but then a lot of people were agreeing. And I was like, oh, maybe this is real. And then I did like the edit and I was like. on us so much. Yes. Yes. I know. I know. And then pointing out too that like Gaylers are the ones reading her lyrics. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hitlers are not readers. They're listeners. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And I mean, the fact that we started this podcast to read her work. Like mm-hmm. to read it from a literary lens, like that is the purpose of our podcast from the very first episode. Yeah, from the from the from the preview we did, mm-hmm. which, by the way, was exactly a year ago that we oh put my. our trailer for the Archers. A year ago today, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Holy shit we're coming up on in like literally a few weeks like our actual i know i I think that we should do i think that we should do a non-patreon only live for our one year anniversary absolutely we will put a link for that in the description of this episode yeah yeah we should do it on the one year anniversary which i think is the beginning of sagittarius season the 21st yeah yeah Um, we should do it on sunday the 20th maybe yeah we'll figure it out we'll figure it out we'll we'll have to see i'm like i don't know i don't know what my work schedule is no exactly exactly but so around that weekend around the one year anniversary we'll do a live um for everyone welcome completely tier of patreon free yeah yeah and also we have like three thousand followers on tiktok so we could be doing lives on tiktok too Oh, TikTok Live works with 3K? With three with I, yeah, I think it's only 1K. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We really need to get on TikTok. Um, whatever. Uh, yeah. We'll okay. see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if here's the thing, Katie. As mm. much as I don't want to make this a big deal because it really fuels my psychosis and thinking that Taylor oh, yeah. listens yeah. to us every single week. Um uh-huh. As much as I don't want to feel that, I do want to be parasocial for a second and say, mm-hmm. if you are listening, Taylor, or anyone that is associated with Taylor, mm-hmm. if you are listening, mm-hmm. thanks for the shout out. And and I don't know if I don't know if we were meant to catch it, or or if it was meant for us, but. We're taking it as an archer's win regardless. So. That's right. We are. Because if there's one thing we're going to do here, we're going to make shit make up. Shit up. That's the motto. Yeah. But we you know what? We do have one other motto. Oh, yes. This one's falling out of favor recently. Yeah. It seems like no one, no one even remembers this motto. Except for, like, the lesbian group Muna they know this motto oh and so does C.T. Jones that wrote the Rolling Stone article okay so queer icons C.T. Jones and Muna maybe happen to know this phrase but I mean otherwise it's like I don't know it's kind of archaic yeah it's um this little known proverb 
it's ancient. It was like carved into the Rosetta Stone. That's right. This is actually, I the, the what we have failed to mention is that we actually plagiarized this logo from the Rosetta Stone. Yep. But luckily, the Rosetta Stone is not copyrighted because it is in the public mm-hmm. domain. Um, so before we leave, we're just going to leave you with the oldest proverb in human civilization, which is stay, stay, stay gay forte. Yay. Dear reader, if it feels like a trap, you're already